Hey, I'm Nate. I'm also Nate. We, we are, are Nate. Nate squared. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nate Squared. I am your host, Nate, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Nate. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be discussing one of my most favorite topics, definitely my biggest all-time passion, and that is foam fighting. And it's been a huge part of my life since I was a wee little sprout of 13 years, and that's also how I originally met Nate. Nate. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, man, I remember roughly, but I do remember my first time fielding, uh, in a fight with you Yeah, and, uh, I was fighting against you cause it was at melee and I wasn't part of house Nuremberg. I was with Russell and the rising suns and oh. you killed me many a time. Yeah. That sounds about par for the course, but we can't rush cause we have so much content to cover. There's no point in even trying. Well, I want to know right now, Nathaniel, yes. how the hell have you been doing? Man, how the hell have I been doing? It's, mm, it has been, it has been an interesting, interesting week. Um, lots of new people in my life. I'm not allowed to disclose names. It's oh. Not, not emotional interests of mine, but emotional interests of others. Oh yeah, they, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a mystery item now. Yeah, there's a mystery item. Um been cooking a lot of different foods been having a lot of heart-to-heart conversations with my dad you know yeah you were telling me about that that sounded like a hundred percent wholesome good time it was it was it was a very much needed heart-to-heart and you know now i'm just trying to get paycheck to paycheck got eight more days till i go to uh colorado i'll actually be there when this is getting uploaded that's true actually when is the next, I guess, appointment for your hip supposed to happen? It's supposed to happen in September, um, but I'm calling them up tomorrow to be like, hey, the cortisol shot did not work at all as intended. Uh, we need to figure something out. So hopefully I can get that moved up to much sooner than September. I would yeah. hate to have to wait like a month and a half. Because the eventual goal is still physical therapy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When it, is that supposed to start? September. Okay, okay. But both of the appointments are in September. They do the physical therapy in-house. I see. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to you being well. I am too, man. It is it is not a fun thing being yeah, crippled. And again, we were talking about this earlier, but no one ever really thinks about it, I guess, till you go through it or know somebody who has um, the effect that just chronic pain has on your entire psyche. Yeah, it... It, it's been getting real bad recently, so yeah, definitely it is a crushing thing. But, you know, other than that, pretty good week. Pretty excited to be recording right now. Yeah, I'm very, 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 very pumped to cover this topic. My life here recently has been kind of on the uh, steadily improving route. I, I went to this great DAG event that I'm going to talk about last weekend, or weekend before last now, yeah. called Battle for the Ozarks. It was the Battle for the Ozarks 6? Yeah, it was 6. So jealous, dude. Yeah, it, was, so it, was, jealous. it was a lot of fun. I mean, I don't want to give away too much about it because we're, I, want, I want to cover this later on, but, right. you know, spoiler alert, wonderful time, as always. Phenomenal hosts, phenomenal site. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Phenomenal. If you listen to our last cast, you know that phenomenal is one of my favorite words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it um, is. But yeah, you know, I've worked my first few shifts with you, or not with you, but at the, at the same place you work. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be doing mostly opening just because I, 
I'm starting to pick up more hours at my other job. Yeah. Um, that's been going pretty good. Unfortunately, I messed up a little bit on my availability, and there's a conflict of job schedules. Entirely my fault, but it's been it got sorted out. Somebody picked up a shift for me, so that was great. Yeah. Uh, God bless you, Madison. Yeah. Thank you, Madison. But yeah, I'm pl- uh, recently starting to make plans to move in with my buddy John. Yeah. And so that's going to save Super me a little exciting. bit of money. Yeah, it's going to be great. I haven't lived with anybody in a long time, and I'm kind of wary to do so again. But John seems like really solid people. Uh, Justice seems like really solid people. Oh, yeah. Fucking love uh, Justice. You know, I'm definitely at a point in life now where I think being roommates gets easier because everyone's life becomes more stable. I mean, my life is going to be the most chaotic out of those two, out of us three. Right. But I still, like, have two jobs. I have a car. You're still able to be self-sufficient. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, things can change at a drop of a hat always, but I think I'm getting better at playing this game known as adulting. Yeah. I think that's also what leads into like people being able to be better roommates when they're older is everybody's starting to understand how to really be an adult and figure and it out better. With other people. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm ready to get into our topic for this week. This is probably going to be a two-part episode. Yeah, this is definitely two-parter. Because we have so much to talk about. So, so much. And this is probably just the first episode of a two-episode little mini-series we're going to do. When I hope in episode two to bring in a lot of the foam fighters that myself and Nathaniel know. Yeah. Who, for some reason, we just want to hear about their side of the story. And right now, like, who who I want to get is the vet. Yep. I already have these guys picked out in my head. I'm trying to work things out with them. The vet. The professional. The, hmm, the Skadian. And the knight. The tyrant, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I want to cover the non-foam stick-swinging games as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's something definitely. that we're definitely going to talk about here in a second is the fact that uh, I guess let me start with what is foam fighting, what is LARPing, um, what is the difference between what the most people perceive to be as LARPing and what we actually do. So there are many different organizations around the United States Correct. that are considered LARPs, live action role plays. Now, there are layers and divisions within the LARP community on how much actual like character role-playing is a part of the culture as well as spell casting abilities class abilities um, you have a lot of games that are very light touch on like the actual hand-to-hand melee yeah, combat super super and light touch. they're very into actually like a role-playing through a quest style um, people impersonate dragons and elves and things like that and there's, yeah. a, there's a big storyline all the way to Something like the Armored Combat League or Bohurt, HMBA. Or uh, or a HEMA, even, in HEMA, a way. HEMA, in a way, yeah. Oh, yeah, HEMA, definitely, um, where it is much more on the purely physical, minimal roleplay side. And then somewhere in the middle of that lies most games that I, I, I think the Wikipedia article for it's still around that actually differentiates them. Like, here's what differentiates them from those games is the less importance on the role play the character side of things and more on the actual fighting yeah and the term for it is battle gaming i've heard used it's a lot more like hand-to-hand paintball or airsoft yeah in a, in a lot of different ways it's like it's like whenever they came out with the nerf swords and you'd hit your buddies with it. it's a lot more yes. like that i'm not gonna hit my buddy and then throw a rock at him and go fireball i'm gonna hit right. him be like that's your leg 
Well, and right, and you know, just to kind of cover some of the different organizations. Uh, on the more like role play side of things and spell casting side of things, you have a couple major games. I believe that Darkon is really only prevalent over in the east, and they use uh, weapons usually over the twelve ounce range. Yeah. Um, and their spell casting is like I think kind of spec'd more pointed more in a like competitive uh, realm where it's actually like more part of the battle gaming. Right. You also have Amp Guard on that spectrum. And Amp Guard's kind of a unique duck because Amp Guard is a very min-maxed game. Min and, well, I shouldn't say min-max. You have, like, a really hard yang and a really hard yang in that community um, because it, it covers the spectrum all the way from the most competitive, don't care about any of this class-based whatever, field combat, you know, spell ball thing. Uh, guys using the lightest weapons, most competitive gear. Like we're talking about, you know, 36-inch foam swords that weigh maybe six to eight ounces. Very, very light gear. Very, very quick. Very technical. Um, much more like a uh, learned and improved upon martial art. Yeah. All the way to the people who only go out there to do the role play bit. And AmpGuard really tries to cater to both. And there have always been issues with the AmpGuard community. I shouldn't. That, that sounds really bad. I know a lot of people who have always had issues with the Amp Guard community because sometimes they can come off as a little bit clickish or a little bit elitist. Uh, they don't really care about that much about garb. You can just go out there in like a t-shirt, and shorts, and be okay. So it kind of covers the whole purview of a LARP from the like entirely stick jock, quote unquote, battle gaming side of things to the really flurby uh, storytelling side of things, magic, you know, fireball kind of things. Going on down that list into the more, like, physically aggressive, because Amp Guard is a very technical, very fast, very competitive game, but they have a lot of rules limiting uh, physical contact. Yeah. And through uh, the lightness of the weapons, there's much less chance of, like, you don't have the way that a hit is calculated in Amp Guard is different. For example, in every game below this that I'm about to mention, there's what's called a significant force rule, where it doesn't matter if you hit me, you have to hit me with enough force for it to, you know, translate really well. And every it's kind of that that force is calibrated differently for each region and each game. But in Amp Guard, because weapons are so light, the way it's dictated is I believe now in this version of the rules, it has to be a solid deflection or it has to stop on contact, something like that used to be just an audible popping noise, but they kind of upped it from that to actually having to, uh, your shot having to have like a recursive effect on the weapon or a rebounding effect on the weapon in some yeah, way. Yeah, it has to, to have force a significant yeah. force to where when it stopped, it gets sent back into it. Right. And so, again, going down the list into the more physically aggressive games, you have like Belagarth, Dagahir. I think Dagahir and Ampgard are the biggest foam games in the nation. I'm not sure which one has the higher population. I'm gonna have to say it'd be it'd be more along the lines of Dagahir and Melee because I be. I see a lot of Melee propaganda. In melee way, Melee's never been around. big, uh, yeah. But we'll get to well, that. Well, it might just be <laughs> that they're the fucking nerds of the nerds and are way more tech savvy, so they know how to go put their shit up on the internet. Maybe I don't know. But uh, so like Bell and Dag, it's almost completely this hand-to-hand foam sword to foam sword combat. And Dag, the only magic is really like a healing poem, which is 180 syllables. You can heal somebody's like wound on a limb, or their armor, or their shield, because shields can get broken in Dag and Bell. I don't believe Bell has uh, healing poems, 
Then there's Melee. I'm going to talk a lot about Melee here in a second. We'll get to it. Melee is so great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's definitely a thing. And then going down from that, you have the SCA. And then Fuck yeah, you, ring them bells. Yeah, ring them bells. You have the ACL, HEMA, all that stuff. And the way that these groups function is you generally have uh, geographic areas or the, the nation section of the geographic areas are like kingdoms or duchies or whatever. These kingdoms subdivide down to smaller little areas. And these areas are will be like sometimes cities or a county. And the players of this game within that area will meet up and play the game. Yeah. And then periodically throughout the year, these games will host much bigger events where everyone shows up to and does like really, really, really fun stuff. Uh, really big battles, feasts, bardic competitions, which are like talent shows. Uh, yeah. you know, so Just the then, greatest of times. Yeah. And then within that, within a region, sometimes spanning many regions, you have these units of fighters that all basically field as a team in combat. Uh, the culture of these games is also a little bit different from game to game. In the SCA, they very are much about the reenactment side of non-combat. Period. Camping gear. Um, people still care about titles and accolades off the field or out of, like, you know, court. Kind of supposed to stay in character the whole event. Uh Getting Very to much like, recreation. Yeah, and kind of going back up the list from these more physically aggressive games. Uh, step up. Dag culture is very much like considered to be the party culture of the foam fighting world. Where Hell yeah, it is. The big focus is on field combat. And in some areas also, like unit on unit combat's a big deal. Like, you know, uh, lo local pride and all that. Uh, and partying. Bell's a little bit more stick jockey, a little bit more on the competitive side, and then Amp Guard, take your pick. It's either you can, you know, find the most competitive people there and the most LARPy people there and have a good time doing either. Uh, so I think what I want to do at this point is give an example of how one of these rule set sets work. Again, we covered significant force. Yeah. And in each of the games I'm going to highlight, there are rules covering different categories of weapons and armor. So in Melee, which is a homegrown game in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that is now defunct, but it's where I got started at. Melee didn't have any magic. Um, it had a multiple point armor system based on the real world effectiveness of the armor, except we allowed stuff like people to build armor out of plastic and things like that, as long as it was painted or decorated to look um, right. Right. And Melee had armor that went from one point up to three when I first started. And then you, uh, towards the end, when we did a rework of the rules, you could have up to four points of armor. And we also allowed armor layering. You could wear a different kind of armor underneath another one and stack the points together up to a maximum of four. On the weapon side of that, in Melee, weapon damage was dictated by length. Under 48 inches was one point. Like four foot to eight foot was two points. 8 foot up to like 9 foot 11 inches was 3 points. And then if you capped out right at a 10 foot max length spear, did 4 points of damage. Um, so again, significant force. You have to destroy armor. Uh, armor just basically counts as extra points on a limb. Uh, if your limb gets wounded, you can't hold anything in that hand. In melee, there's also a bleed out rule where you have to tourniquet that limb or else you die in like 120 seconds. Yeah. Yep, you get hit in the leg. got to go down to your knees. 
Um, isn't isn't that bleed out time halved if you get limbed twice? No. Uh, in melee, if you get limbed twice, you just get limbed twice. If you get hit in three separate limbs, you die. Okay. Um, ball shots off limits, head shots off limits, from the collarbone up, basically off limits. But they took hand shots, which is kind of a unique thing. Most foam fighting games, hand on weapon, if your hand is holding a weapon, it's not a legal strike zone to kind of try to deter people from aiming for fingers, you know? Right. Unfortunately, it's kind of flipped now where a lot of fighters will try to punch block things away and kind of use their hand as a secondary shield. Which is just... I, uh, I can tell you right now, is not a good idea. I... Uh, I punch blocked one of Brandon's red shots. Oh, don't do that. Which Brandon? Uh, Angus. Yeah, okay. The, the beef boy. Angus the beefy. Um, and he pretty much shattered my right hand. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it was a solid hand block, too. It's very common. That's why in a lot of the pictures you're going to see of me, uh, I have a hockey glove on, or at least lacrosse gloves on. Yeah. Because while I don't intentionally try to punch block, it still happens. You can try to just yeah. pair you with your sword and just mess up. And that's why a lot of people put basket cases on the outside of their yeah. hilts. Yeah. So that's melee. Melee is kind of a more complicated game. Melee is great. Yeah, if you get hit in the same limb twice, you die. Dag has a very simplistic rule set, in my opinion. Um, there's a few different categories of weapons that are all separated up by color. Yep. Um, blue basically are just one-handed weapons that can slash. Yellow or uh, green weapons can thrust. Red weapons are big, t- big two-handed weapons that can break shields. The armor out there, no matter what kind of armor you're wearing, it's only a sing- only stops a single strike from a blue weapon. Yep. And it stops single grain stabs. But if you have two hands on the weapon you're thrusting with, it goes straight through armor. Arrows also go straight through armor. Two hard shits, hard shits. Two hard <laughs> shots from a red weapon will break a shield. Yeah, shell yeah. on a shield. But whenever you swing those hards, you have to yell break or else they don't count. No, no. It, it's really... it's Well, like, if you can actually visibly see it, like, if you don't take that, that's bad on the person. Yeah, exactly. Like, if somebody's not paying attention to you and you read their shield, let them know. If you hit them from the back and they have armor on, let them know. Don't be surprised if they keep fighting. I actually reverted back to melee for a second at this last dag event I went to. It was a bell event, actually. I ran it behind a guy wearing armor and I had just a blue in my hand. Yeah. Instead of yelling, like, blue, blue... I yelled one, two, like I was at melee and I was counting <laughs> off points of armor. <laughs> and he had on chainmail, and chainmail at melee was two points. I seriously went one, two, and cocked back to hit him for the third time to get the kill. And was like, oh shit, no. And just kept like back hacking his team. It was really fun. Uh, God, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. And so another thing that I thought was very interesting about foam fighting is the competitive side of it that you don't really connect with until you're into the game. For instance, like peop- I guess what I'm trying to say is that people's perception of the LARPing, the battle gaming, the foam fighting yeah. thing is not to take it like a sport. Yeah, they, they take it like some weird nerd hobby, which, I right. mean, granted, you will find a lot of nerds out you there. You ain't fucking wrong. And it might be their hobbies. So, I mean, they're not wrong with it being a nerd hobby, but the perception of their nerd hobby is like, oh, this is what the basement dwellers do. Oh, this is what the 30-year-old kids do. Yeah, and I think it was Aaron Hooker that, or it was somebody. I always just want to bring up Aaron Hooker because he's a great guy. <laughs> just but, the uh, fairest of lads. We'll talk about you, Hook. But uh, Baby boy. Yeah. One of my, what was I trying to say? Um the, the people yeah, well, the, some, somebody told me once that they've never seen people doing foam fighting, getting made fun of, 
when they're like the best fighters. Oh when, yeah. When you see people fighting this, doing this thing at a very high skill level, it's so easy to see how hard this game is. Like it's it's a mental chess match with body mechanics and cardio and personal fucking strength and willpower all built in. Um you know, people train like this. It's, it's trained for this. It's crazy. And it's also crazy tactical, too. Knowing, it's insane. okay, if I see him do this, this is how my response should be. Here's the time right. I need on these and shots. It's so fast. Like, yeah. It's so fast. Uh, I mean, you have to break down these incredibly complex motions in your head and, like, thoroughly understand them and how to move through it. Um, for, like, a very, I'm going to try to describe this as best as I can. For um, a shot, there's, there's this, uh, you know, again, talking about the really competitive scene. There's this huge push right now for information sharing. Yeah. And it, when I first started fighting, the best fighters were kind of that I knew of. And then again, I was just like trapped in Tulsa for the first many years I was fighting. They were very kind of secretive about who they would fight with and showing off like their techniques and cer- cer- certain shots and combos and everything. Because they wanted to stay the best. Basically, yeah. And now in the Amp Guard community over the past couple of years, it's been this huge push for information sharing. And there's this group called 512 Dojo that a few very notable Amcard fighters uh, fight for, or they do videos with. Basically, it's a yeah. live streaming Facebook page. And uh, yeah. One of the best live streaming Facebook pages. It's really nice. And one of their top guys, a warlord from Amcard named Tato, Sir Potato. Hey! Hey, Warlord Tato. Um, started this, Facebook, or this YouTube uh, playlist. Of just different individual little shots. It's called like the 512 lead exchange. And he calls them leads. And so I'm going to try to describe like what for a, comp- a really competent fighter is a very fluid, basic like setup and snap off. Basically, all right, imagine that we're facing each other. We're both right-handed, okay? Okay. A very common shot for bad fighters to throw is this high crossing shot that comes over the top. Your elbow turns up and comes down into like your right arm shoulder pocket as the defender. Yeah. It's not very good. And, but it's really easy to bait if somebody prefers that shot. Because basically the setup is, while, you, while you're stepping right, you throw this straight cross chop across your midline, which shows the top of your arm and your flank and invites them to high cross into it. So it's a high cross. As you're stepping, you retract your arm back to a position like you're about to right hook somebody as you're, as you're sliding right. And what you're doing is you're faking like you're going to go for their shield side shoulder over the top of their shield. And also as your hand drifts back, you're naturally blocking them with a high cross. So if they high cross, you smoke them because what you're going to do is either they're going to high cross you into your block or they don't. And that motion to block their high cross if they do is a fake as well. Gets them to move their shield over. You immediately drop back across your body with your fists, moving this inward circling motion and hit them in the stomach as their shield moves over. Or as soon as you block their fucking high cross, you immediately, as you continue your step, boom, wrap around, do this reverse wrap, just YouTube reverse wrap or money shot, boom, right into the fucking gut. Actually, don't YouTube money shot. YouTube yeah, money don't, sh- don't, yeah, that's YouTube, a bad idea. YouTube money shot, Sir Brett. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a safe one. And again, this is a very complicated motion with real-time thought processing you have to do. Is he high-crossing me? Is he buying my fake? Because if he's not, I may just transition this movement, this movement coming across my body to block that the flight path of his, of his uh, cross yeah. into a shoulder wrap. Because maybe he just does nothing. If he does nothing, I've stepped around to his right side. I'm in good position just to continue this motion. 
and uh, just to continue fucking belting into him, man. Yeah, seriously, just look up Ampguard Warlords on YouTube and just watch those videos at quarter speed and realize that everything you're seeing is calculated. Like, like there's 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 not any random flailing going on. I'm gonna go ahead and put that uh, video in the description just so people can find it. Cause like, oh yeah, yeah the, the, oh in that shot, by the way, you can just you, uh, it's called the Houndbreaker. I have no idea why, except that the trend for this uh, playlist was like they started using really funny names for like their uh, their shots, and they started being like anime references and shit in there. So it's pretty funny. It's a good. It's read. fucking great, man. Some are really stupid. If you watch the Fidget Spinner, I'm pretty sure that's a parody. <laughs> uh, just, I, I don't even want I'll show it to you after the podcast man but it's it's gold it sounds fucking good God. so that's the competitive scene and it's super again hyper competitive there's these massive tournaments uh, Amp Guard has this online tracking where you can track who the best fighters are at any given time it's insane the passion these guys have yeah and I know a few people that are just nuts about it and I kind of am too. I qualify myself as a casual tryhard, which is I want to be good, but I don't want to train. You're not. You're not as devoted as those guys. Those guys. This is their religion. This is their their yeah fucking cornerstone, man. And I, I've I've tried that at times. Um, I I really like it. Right now, I just want me and the freelance boys, my unit, to be good on the field. That that that's my biggest passion in foam fighting right now. And we're, I mean, we've been getting recognized. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah. not. We don't go out there and fuck around like a bunch of dillweeds. Yep. I mean, I'm never gonna say until we have enough data because there's some, there's there's some big fucking fish in these waters. Oh fuck yeah! But we're, I would I would easily put us. I we're don't the know. The biggest in the pond. Because the thing about our guys is that we're really best in an open like mass combat. Yeah. Um. Which so, is why we do so well as a Merc group, because yeah. whoever we're going to join, the whole team's going to be behind them. Right, right, right. And, you know, you, you know, here's like 20, 30 guys. Yeah. And, you know, we've all been fighting together for a decade. God, yeah. That's, I'm coming up on my decade. Hell yeah, dude. That's one thing that I really like about foam fighting also is that you build these relationships with you, with people. Yeah. And they keep coming back, and you keep... You know, you can never escape. Yeah, you know, Goat, one of my earliest fucking people I met at Melee. Like, Goat, I believe, was in his 30s when I first met him. Yeah, he's no, no, still he, fucking. I think he was in his 40s, actually. I think he, because I think he's past 50 now, if, I'm, if, I, if I remember correctly. He, but, yeah, uh, he's definitely coming up on 60. And he I, still fights. Like, yeah, no, he was, he, was, he was throwing down, man. He was throwing down a battle for the Ozarks a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it's been, it's 2018 now. It's been 14 years. You know, Jesus. like, that, that, that's. That's awesome, you know. That touches me on a really like deep level. These like friendships you make for life, doing this weird thing that so many people will just discount at face value. I did. I thought it was so fucking stupid the first time I heard about it and saw it. Then I got sucked in. I really enjoyed it. And that's one thing about the game that I love so much is there's so much love in it. You go to these events. And I think that one of the reasons people are kind of scared to travel to their first events is they really don't know what to expect from the people there. Like, they get it, there's going to be big, awesome fights, but fights, but what happens when you're not doing that? And the answer is hanging the fuck out, meeting a ton of new friends, forging, like, friendships, and it's so much fun. And people will turn fucking up for these events. Fuck yeah, they, they will. They, 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 they will wait, you know, six months and be like, all right, I finally get to go to an event. And they'll bring their best drugs, they'll bring their best booze, and they come just ready to have the best time. And you get it's this like, huge positive vibe. Just imagine it this way. 
pretty much what it is is as edc is to rave people or how woodstock was to hippies each fighting event is the nerds fucking woodstock or edc right. man it's you go there you might go to three or four that year and every time every time that's when you party that's when you're around the people who get it the most so those are the best people to party with and again i don't mean to paint this you know people are gonna my amperins are gonna be like oh classic dag fighter right but no, <laughs> seriously most people at these events don't do drugs most people at these events just drink a little bit they're if, like my unit is kind of like full of party dudes so that's the yeah. perspective i see it from quite a bit but uh who's a good example like i'm trying there's to a, there's a couple dudes from the aom yeah like yeah who they're, 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 they're very solid about being real straight edge yeah. the whole time and they still right they still turn up without having to you know turn up yeah like i think people also get pushed away because they hear just about oh these wild crazy parties i promise you if you don't go to the wild crazy party there's a great time happening at a camp somewhere just go find it and it'll be the most loving people it'll be a powwow of everybody just drinking some sodas and talking about their yep. experiences or there'll be some nighttime you know uh sparring yeah. Where there'll be people sitting around singing and doing their own tiny right. little bard competitions. It's a great time. You know, you want to talk about, you want to talk about like non-alcoholic, drug-induced good times, man. Go to Bardic. Watch Bardic happen at, at Dark Tides when, when Odeon's People's Court happens. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's like an hour and a half of improv comedy. It's so fucking funny. There's, well, no, not just improv comedy. There's improv comedy. There's dancing. There's, right. There's singing. There's reciting of just epic yeah. poetry it's anything you can think of and it's just every time it's great whenever that dude gets up there and starts singing that russian drinking song yeah he sings every time everybody joins in yeah it's so dude it's so great and you know and that that that, that that's just dag event examples that's not even talking yeah. about uh like amp guard where the ans the arts and science side oh is yeah fucking thick sca oh my god like again it's a whole other culture you can go to an sca event and learn weaving. ACL, you go there to watch actual gladiatorial style fucking 5v5s. It's everybody, even the people who show up to sit in the crowd are wearing garb. Yes. There's stands galore. Just anything you could ever want from an actual purely medieval, but very much, this is a televisable combat sport right. event. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I cannot say enough about it, which is why I think it's time for officially starting part one nature's rant about foam fighting history oh shit uh i kind of had to structure my thoughts on this one and i took a lot of suggestions for stories to tell yes you did quite a few so i'm going to start off in the very beginning the long long ago in the beginning for chan green text be me 13 years old Nah, fuck that. Dude, same here, man. But I, I was 13 years old, and my buddy Matt Gibson, and Skeeth also, my buddy Skeeth from fucking Dag also wanted to know this story as well. Um, and Skeeth, I promise you that by the end of it, we're going to cover the second part of this. He wanted to hear my first opinion and my current opinion. Oh, yeah. So my buddy Matt Gibson, go by the name of Man Bear Pig now. It was an He's engaged now, dude. I know. It's and insane. He got, a, he got a baby, too. He's yeah. growing up. I knew that dude in fifth grade. Like, we're fucking, we're tight, man. Oliver, Oliver used to work with him, right? Oh, yeah. Direct. And he got to watch the transition of his fatherhood. He's like, <laughs> he'd come into work a bunch with his long hair. And then one day he came in with, like, a very businessman-like haircut. 
and like it trimmed up his beard and yep. all it was like fatherhood hit pig. him like a fucking truck yeah, dude dad bear pig now but anyway so we were in we were in eighth grade it was the summer between our eighth grade and freshman year yeah i'd been 13 for a few months and matt one day is like dude dude you got to come down to Whiteside Park, 41st and fucking Harvard, between Harvard and Yale, and see these dudes on Saturday. There's tons of them. They just go out there and they beat the crap out of each other with these fake swords. And I was like a year and a half into being a football player and having a crisis of identity. Like, I'm not a nerd. And I was like, that sounds fucking gay. That sounds really stupid. And he's like, no, dude, seriously, come check it out. And I'm like, no, fuck that. So I go out there. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so it happens. Yeah. So we show up and I'm looking at it and Matt's like, you want to fight? And I'm like, no, this looks retarded. F- fuck this. No, fuck that. And then you picked up a stick and fought. No, no, no. I went to fuck home. I was All like, right. this is stupid. I live three blocks away. Peace. Come back the next week. <laughs> 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 Matt's grounded. Oh, he's not, there. he's not even there. And uh, yeah, yeah. Actually fight for the first time. And where Matt hooked. can't watch you, <laughs> dude. You know how like I, I say I only do things that I'm good at. Yeah, I I don't like people seeing me be bad at stuff. I that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. All right, I get that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the first shot I ever threw in foam fighting hit Melissa Miller Lizard right in the fucking face. We My to boy, stop, we to stop the fight. I, I'm mm, I'm still feel bad about that. I'm sorry, Melissa. <laughs> You're never gonna hear this, but I'm sorry. Can I tell you about my first fighting experience? Sure. All right. So, you know Angus. Angus the Beefy. Yes. So, my brother and Angus the Beefy went to high school together. I think middle school. Um, shout out, Angus. You beefy motherfucker. Um, so, my brother comes home one day. He's like, dude, I got my friend I got my friend Brandon coming over. Remember how we used to hit each other with wooden sticks when we were <laughs> yeah. kids? I was like, yeah. He goes... I got something better. So Angus shows up to my little 13-year-old ass's house. <laughs> it brings out all his weapons. And it's like, remember that shitty, weird, bendy glaive he had? Yes. That huge fucking uh, uh, Nerf football-headed spear he had? Yes. So he's pulling out all that, those arrow weapons, like the <laughs> shitty, yeah. shitty old fucking dag weapons. And like it gets ready to start raining, so we all go outside and we just start beating the ever loving shit at each other. And then it starts raining, so everything starts getting real heavy. Yeah. Just keep Yeah, because these are cloth covered the weapons. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember getting my ass kicked for like two and a half hours and then I went inside and I was like, All right, so when the rain's done, can we go back out and do it again? Yeah. Like it was just it was fucking great. I loved it. I love it, man. So when I first started coming out, I basically the guy who invited me to fight was Matamushi. Uh, Blake. I can't quite remember what Blake's last name is, but you know, again, guy who was probably in his 30s, 40s when I first started coming out, he had this team called Rusty Gauntlet. We were supposed to be like a bunch of rogues and shit, so we all had like katanas, we were all Asian themed. And so like we were on that team, myself, Matt, Matt's twin brother, non-identical, manly. Yep. My boy Sage, big Sage Tashi, and our buddy Andrew, Andrew Cobb. I think Andrew might might have started a little bit later actually but we were on rusty gauntlet for like two three weeks and teams that were very important at melee uh, they were called factions and at one o'clock two o'clock three o'clock everyone would divide up into factions 
and then fight. And you'd have other battles in between, yeah. tournaments, things like that, you know, fun pickup games, news. We'll have like a news break where we talk about current events. Yeah. Um, in the phone fighting world, not like. <laughs> not like actual, like, Trump invaded Syria today. <laughs> not like shit like that, but like. Uh, Trump invaded Rhode Island, quoted <laughs> saying too many fucking Yankees. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I don't know. It's, it's, I like it. It's what I had. I really hope that's a headline one day. It <laughs> yeah. sounds fucking incredible. So, but you'd have these faction battles three times a Saturday. Yeah, and you'd accrue points throughout the year, and by the end of the year, whoever had the most points, one faction of the year, and it was a huge deal. People were really, really psyched about it. And so, like, you had to be a faction, you had to have certain requirements. You had to have so many members uh, to sign up for a roster. You had to have so many members to field during faction battles. I think it was yep. like five. Um, I believe you had to have an, ident- an identifying garb or colors so like, you know, the Spartan team wore all red and had like red shields, the big like V's upside down V's, Yep. Uh, whatever that's called. And when I first started going out, well, again, you know, we were on Rusty Gauntlet, but then one day Monomushi didn't show up and he had all of our gear. Oh, and no. Th- this dude named Parrot, not all of our gear. We just used all of his gear. So we didn't have yeah. any gear. And so we sit around awkwardly and the next week they're standing around awkwardly and he's not there. And, this dude named Parrish from the Roman team walks over and invites us to come fucking hang out on the Roman team. Yeah. And try fighting for them. And so at Melee at this time, and you know, this is where I'm hoping people who are still listening that are like foam heads. Yeah. Who are, into who are from other parts of the country or didn't grow up with Melee start understanding how like why Melee was actually fucking pretty cool. There were weekly attendances between 85 to a hundred people at just weekly practices there were like five or six different teams. There was when I first went out there. There was Rusty Gauntlet, Dark Order, uh, Rusty Gauntlet again. A bunch of rogues. Dark Orders were like these. Dark Order dudes were like these big spooky guys who have some of the most amazing armor sets that I've ever seen to this day. The Sarmatians, Gaul, Rome, Sparta, and uh, Chalice. You know, each team had a different dynamic, a different strategy, a different gear set. And at the time, the factions were so stacked on the Roman and Spartan sides that seriously, like, Rome and Sparta would just fight every week, and whoever won that would just mop the rest of the field, or they would each, like, you know, go fight other teams, only Rome and Sparta were left, and just fight each other. And we started getting, like, these big, you know, people would, like, make agreements before faction battles and be like, hey, if you don't attack my team, I'm just trying to try something out, you know, we'll go run into Sparta for you, and, you know, we'll try to shave a few guys off. But, you know, we're a few points away from coming in third behind you guys or Sparta, whoever takes faction of the year. So if you guys go wipe out this team for us while we do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Because they're, they're competing for that third place spot. That actually happened. It got pretty intense. There were, like, agreements and honor duels and blah, 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 blah. So we joined Rome. And it was the 13th Legion. <laughs> I just love that fucking... So we joined Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Segway hard. We joined Rome. It was the 13th Legion. The 13th Legion is the Roman Legion that got lost chasing the Picts in Ireland. And oh, yeah, never yeah, yeah. came home. And that was kind of their story. Because all at Melee, everything took place in this mystical realm called Apocrypha. Where like people who were true, hardcore, like medieval, ancient warriors would manifest in this plane basically after death and could never like be truly killed. That's why you kept coming back. And that's where the 13th ended up. And so we started fighting with them and it was very fun. Like that's where I really started learning how to do field combat, how to uh, run shield with a spear and protect my spearmen. Uh, 
you know, that's the first time I ever built armor was on that team. Like, I think it was the, actually the only time I ever built armor was on that team. We used to just cut up these 55-gallon plastic drums. We literally had a template that we'd lay on it, draw out, and it would turn it into a Ro- Roman Lorica Segmentata. God and just drill holes, put it all together, food grade sp- plastic, man. spray paint it black, good to go. No, seriously, like, I'll, we'll try to, either we're going to have a slideshow with this or an Imgur gallery to go with this. Yeah. I'll, I'll post a bunch of pictures of the Roman team. We actually look pretty good. We didn't look half as good as the fucking Spartans did, though. But I'll talk about Rome for a second. There's a lot of guys on Rome that, again, were the Greeks. Oh, yeah, the Greeks. The fucking yeah. Greeks the with Greeks the tiny good. little man shorts. Yeah, the Greeks looked good. Um, but, again, like. You know, there are these people who I met then at 13 years old who I'm still hanging out with. Lobo. Lobo was a fierce little fucking fighter. I'm, I, I hate to say it, Lobo, but you're the, one of the angriest dwarfs I've ever seen. <laughs> but my God, he used to hit like a Mack truck. And he probably still does. Uh, he came out to like a couple dag events with us, actually. And, oh, really? You know, just, yeah, just last year, I think. And so That's he's still awesome. in the game. And he was also a master crafter. Like they had crafting ranks at Melee. You had to like ascend through these ranks to make certain weapons to prove that you knew how to safely make other weapons. And so the, you know, there was Lobo. There was a dude named Thalen. I met his son, Zach. Thalen was another master crafter on our team. So our gear looked amazing. I think I've met uh, Thalen. Yeah. Yeah. Thalen's an old school dude. Um, it's also when fighting for Sparta, I met Goat. And Goat's still around. It's where I met Wes Rowe. It's where I met Adian. Like, all these, you know, big-time dudes who I'm still, like, buddies with. You know, I love seeing them Super out cool guys, all of them. Yeah. Fucking love them all. Uh, and so I'm just going to keep kind of going on chronologically through my foam fighting. Around this time is when I also started trying to – I decided that this is something I want to be good at because, by God, is it so satisfying to smoke people. I had been, Jesus, like, yeah, it is. Like, when I had been just a wee little child, I had been kind of an airsoft kid – Kind of a you know paintball kid, still very competitive combat yeah. based sports. Yeah, but my parents couldn't afford for me to do that shit. Right, you know because a good paintball gun is going to be at least well, at least like what one hundred eighty, two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars for like an actual nice quality one. Around three hundred. Yeah, it's it's yeah, fucking yeah, expensive. Yeah. I, I had a like tip and yeah. it was yeah, which I know this is not on the same sports, Hit it. but fuck it, Tipman, Tipman Custom Pro single action, the way that things fucking pressure comes yeah. through stock we uh we went outside to test it right we all got tipmans my dad my brother got an automatic and i had the fucking single fire so we go outside we shoot up a tree with an automatic we're like oh yeah that's pretty strong and then i take my single action and i hit the tree and like we see the tree kind of explode a bit <laughs> we're like oh shit so my dad takes it twer- tweaks it way down to where it's less yeah, than mine that. and i'm like oh dad yeah, hold on dad i'm trying to kill somebody and then eventually when i got old i found out how to tweak it again and brought it right. back up and it ooh, that thing fucking rapes well right on and well see in foam fighting grabbed me because you know it was my parents were willing to i didn't like to even pay to do it i was like at the time you had to pay dues every year as, like, you know, to be able to fight. Like, you, you could show up and not pay dues and still fight, but yeah. you're limited in, like, wearing armor. You couldn't wear armor. You couldn't use certain weapon sets um, because they wanted to incentivize you to buy into the game so they could give you awesome events and put on, like, awesome, yeah. but just buy stuff for the game. All, all the money that was made that way was put right back right. into the game. And I think that we're going to have to fade out for a little break here because I got to use the bathroom. No, I hear you, man. Yeah. All right. So when we come back, the continuation. 
Okay, and we're back. Where I left off, I was talking about how this was a game that I decided to finally become good at, and I could afford to do so, because again, I was a child. I was 13 when I first started. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have to pay anything aside from dues, and the game was so competitive that people would just let you borrow gear, take gear home to train with, just so you'd fight for their team. It's kind of a cultural thing that happened at Melia that was hard to break people of was to furnish their own weapons when, it start, when we started cross-gaming into, like, Dag and Bell. Yeah. Because the culture's kind of flipped in that game. Basically, either you buy from an online vendor or you just make your own, mostly. And I decided that I wanted to become good at this thing. My parents, I think, over the course of the first year, may have given me, like, $105 to spend on this game altogether. Yeah. And that got me a shield and a weapon and a year membership. And that shield and that weapon lasted me quite a long time. And I also borrowed a lot of gear still. So it, it's like I wasn't wearing out my own stuff all the time. Occasionally you can mix things up. That's another thing that's really fun about foam fighting is that I think that the visceral feel of different weapon sets is so much cooler than changing something on your airsoft gun. Oh, or, yeah. It, yeah. It totally is. Like, all I own is a fucking spear and a bat. Yeah. But... I fucking love sword and board. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I fucking love archery. Yeah, the 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 experience of going onto a field with a ten foot spear is wholly different from going onto the field with a, with a sword and a shield. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I, f- oh, I fucking love spear fighting so much. I dude. suck at it, man. I'm so bad. I can't. I can't thrust for shit. Oh. I've been. I've been working on those tech shots. Of like <laughs> fucking rapping with shots. a spear. There, there, there's an old school, uh, old school melee term, tech shot. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But there was this man name zero that was his fighting name john watkins john watkins has still like the most melee tournament wins ever and he was an amp guard cross gamer and again he really got into the competitive scene in amp guard um back in like you know 2003 2004 around that era and i he held a midweek fighters practice for melee and i started showing up and i fought him and his buddy alucard quite a bit and just wanted to get better and would just go out there every Thursday. Or if for some reason practice got canceled because people didn't show up or something, John would just come to my house and just throw gear at me and be like, all right, let's fight. And he just literally beat me up until I finally started to get better. He forced you to stay on that hustle. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, he taught me some important lessons. Mostly, you know, pick up your leg when I swing for it. Don't move your shield so much because I'm just going to hit you if you do. And uh, I eventually mastered the strategy of pushing my shield into his face so he couldn't see and then hitting him in the legs. <laughs> and there you go. Block out the sun with your shield. Making lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, is kind of karma if you look at the banner f- uh, picture on our, uh, our our Facebook page. Yeah, you're getting your eyes blocked <laughs> out. Hell, no, even on that banner, like you were pointing out earlier, it's a real good fucking tech shot, man. <laughs> it's a good rap. And that's a good fucking... That shield block that you're doing in that photo. So his shield's going up, yeah. right, to block out your eyes. I don't think that's where it was originally going. I think you thrust it up into his shield to pop it up high. And I don't know. That shield's real high. And then you came around for I don't a bad remember. Grab. But, you know, I started grinding on this game really hard and trying actively to get better and fighting all the time. Oh, um, yeah. Myself and Sage. Sage lived a block away from me. And we would fight all the way to his house with, like, him backing up and me walking forwards. And I would back up and he would walk forwards. We did that, like, several days, man. Just fighting every chance that we got. And it was such a good outlet for me as well. Because around this time when, like, my mom and dad's drug addiction came to light. And my home life kind of fell apart. And it gave me something else to focus on and really just dive into to get away from all of that. 
So that's one of the ways that foam fighting has really helped me over the years. It is a wonderful escape. <laughs> it's it been really so consistent in my life. It's been such a, uh, a wonder to have around. And again, just to have these really deep friendships and bonds that you build with people just on the field, just swinging fake swords at each other. So after Rome, some of the same guys who were on Rome went on and found the Crusaders. I don't got much to say about them. They were, you know, middle-of-the-road team. Um, oh, also one little funny Roman Sparta story before I get too far down the line. Uh, one time at a big melee gathering, like one of these events at Challenger 7 Park, we yeah. just lined up across the field from each other. And Challenger 7 is a huge park. And so, like, Roman Sparta just lined up across the field from each other on one end of the park. And, like, the four or five other factions fielding go down to the other end of the park to battle it out amongst themselves. And Roman Sparta just look at each other. And, like, we must just stand, stand there staring at each other for, like, five, ten minutes, about yeah. 40 yards apart. And we started grabbing pieces of rotten fruit that were just on the ground, like things that had fallen off of trees, and just throwing them at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is this real combat? Because, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah. Except I'm sure we were much more jovial about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. In my head, all I see is just two lines of people, very serious, and they pick up their fruit, and it's just <laughs> screaming. No fun at all. No fun. They're actually trying to kill each other with rotten fruit. So after the Crusaders, I, st- I met a guy um, named Russell Kernigan. Russell Kernigan was from the other Melee Park. Fucking Russell. Fucking Russell. So boo, Russell. <laughs> boo, Russell. Oh, God, Melee memes. Uh, God, boo, fucking Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll get to that story. But uh, so, story. just before I started playing, I believe in like the early early two thousands, or maybe late nineties, is melee had a split. The story, as I as I recall it being told, is that uh, the founder of melee, Magnus, went to I believe St. Louis or down south, like Louisiana or something, and relocated there for a while, and left a bunch of people in charge of melee who immediately dipped out. And so another group of guys step in and started running it. And then Magnus, you know, he was going to try to promote melee wherever he was at. He was going to go build his own park, came back and tried to reassert control over the park. And the guys who'd been running it for like years were like, no, no, we leave. Fuck you. We got this. And Magnus was like, fuck you. I'm going to start my own damn park. And so that the park he started was known as Brock Nara. That's where I started fighting at. The other park at La Fortune Park was Nickelshire. Yeah, um, heard a lot of stories about Brock. No, I don't know if I've ever been out there. That was when Melee was back at Whiteside. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to get into the drama between Nickelshire and Brock Nara because it's all biased, and who knows? Yeah. But Russell comes over and he wants to start a team, and his uh, persona name was uh, Marcus Kylek at the time. And so he just wanted to start House Kylek, kind of like, you know, that, that we're going to be our own little, like, noble house of knights, I guess, basically, or whatever. And he wanted me to be a part of it because there were a lot of different units among this, like, little faction. And he wanted me to lead the House Guard, which was kind of like our shock stormtrooper-like unit. You know, yeah. fast-moving, light armor, flanking, and just, like, assault unit. And... Uh, it was a lot of fun. We we were a very successful team. Oh, I'm actually forgetting something completely. Shortly before House Kylek, Magnus started coming back out to Melee and started a team called Hand of the White Bear. 
And like all of my that sounds really familiar. All of, all of my little childhood friends again, like Manly, Matt, Andrew, Sage, we all joined Hand of the White Bear along with some remnants of the uh, Crusader Roman teams and Spartan teams. Yeah, and I loved that team so much because we were very competitive. We had a lot of young guys. We weren't the best fighters. We didn't have the most armor but we were just super fucking motivated and tried to strategize really hard and it paid off. And that was really fun. And so that's how I kind of, I remember correctly bridged into being on house. Kylek was to be kind of just this unit sergeant and house. Kylek was a ton of fun. It was a lot of work. I hung out with Russell and his girlfriend at the time, Casey. And that's how I, well actually no, because Casey at the time was coming out with this dude named Alex and then weird shit happened. And, I started hanging out with Russell quite a bit. Then him and Casey started dating. I was like over at Casey's house every single day, just hanging out. And Russell eventually moved in over there. And so I got really tight with him. And after a while though, I just got so tired of being in a leadership position. Yeah. Cause every, every fight, you are just so having to be so responsible and so turned on. There's no time. It, to it just gets goof stressful. Off. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a very, it, it becomes like a job. Well, not yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say so much as a job because it was still enjoyable and rewarding, but it was exhausting. Right. right, right. Jobs can be enjoyable and rewarding. Yeah, I got you. Bullshit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I left and joined this team called the Gladiators, which had like Wesley Rowe on it, a Dean, Aaron Hooker. Hey. Yeah, and uh, Hooker, I have to admit, is still like one of my favorite people I've met through film fighting. Hooker is proof that some people are just better than others. I mean, I don't want to make just inherently better. Yeah, I don't want to make it, you know, make make you blush, AA Rom, but you know, you're beautiful, you're so swole, you're so nice, you're so generous, you're a really, really good fighter. Real Hook- smart. Yeah. Really smart. And Hooker's one of the guys who drank the fucking Kool-Aid, went balls deep on the competitive side of film fighting from Fuck day yeah, he did. That and dude is like, a jockey jock. Yep, and it's paid off. It's paid off really well. You know, I asked Aaron Hooker, you know, I'm like, I just don't see the cracks in you. I don't see any flaws. Like, what is something like you had to, you know, deal with in your life? Like, what, what is, where are you fucked up at? He goes, well, when I was younger, I had a speech impediment. And then, I don't know, I'd handled it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> basically was it Was he in the military? Yeah, he's in the guard. Damn. Why? Well, if he was active duty, there might be something there. Might have seen some shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. But no, he's not. All right. Oh, well. uh, so yeah, uh, there's uh, gotta be something, right? You have to be fucked up somehow. Nobody's just functional. Maybe he likes toes. That's okay. That's no, not, not like like you know, clean toes. Like toes are full of toe jam and shit. I don't, I don't dirty I, toes. You know, that's fat shaming, and that's not okay. That is my. We don't fat shame on Nate squared. That is my fetish shame. That is my fetish. It's shame. It's shame. <laughs> so. The Gladiators and House Kylik were very competitive. Like, I had to deal with a little bit of, like, backlash for leaving to go to the other team that was, like, their main competitor. I really liked being on the Gladiators because we really didn't focus that much on really tight competitive strategies or, like, fighting in a unit. Yeah. We would literally just walk out onto a field in, like, just ones and twos and just try to encircle other teams, pick off, like, stragglers. Uh, A very common tactic would be, like, you know, I would go in and try to get two or three guys to aggress on me, then backpedal, and then a DN or West would swoop in from a flank, hit one of them in the leg, and I'd, d- I'd disengage, rinse and repeat ten times. Yeah. And it, it like we wolf pack people. You know, and you hear about all these strategies in fucking Melee, you know, wolf pack. Well, actually, uh, you know, like wolf packs, which is like what we were doing. Pod fighting, which is like what uh, 
House Kylik was. It was a bunch of different pods of specialists yeah. trying to That's accomplish a, something. It's also a very, very common tactic nowadays, too. Yes. Except you, except there's not. It's not as easy to orchestrate on a chaotic as fuck dag field. Right. But yeah. Well, it really depends on how you're going to build those pods. You build it two spears, two shields. I'm talking about just overall unit cohesion across well, like yeah, 300 yeah. people is really difficult. Just fucking making sure everybody's communicating properly. Right. And it's just like you know, 15, 18 dudes. It's really easy to be like, all right, we're going to split into four with four or five units. We're all going to try to accomplish this one thing. Very simple task. That's also where I got a lot of what. Um, like my leadership skills from was just understanding through foam fighting that how, how to communicate clearly and efficiently under stress, yeah. how to like get people to respond to you, how to yell real, real, real loud. Like for a while, my main contribution to every melee team I was on was as like, like combat leader. And I'm, I was always a competitive fighter. I've always been like, you know, in on the top end side of things I've, yeah. been, I've done enough sparring against enough big fish I think to know that I'm comfortably mediocre but uh, you know after 14 bi- years that ain't bad <laughs> yeah but if I had been training like Hook the whole time god god yeah Hook's still great I'm, I'm, I'm surprised every time I take a win off of him and like you know it's, it's still really satisfying I'm just surprised every time I see him doesn't mean doesn't matter what's happening I just get surprised yeah. and delighted <laughs> <laughs> you should see him more often he doesn't live that far away from you Oh, you need a car, though. I, I yeah. You got, you got issues, man. So what actually happened with House Kylek and the Gladiators, Ludus Ledum, uh, which was their Latin name. I think it just means, Ooh. like, School of Destruction or something like that. School of War or, or I don't know. Something, something cool. Yeah, 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 something cool. Something on the uh, edge. The, the faction of the year race came down to a single point at the end of the year Damn. between us and House Kylek. Like, they won a faction battle, we won a faction battle, and it was, wasn't even at a gathering. It was just, like, the last practice of the year. Good lord. And, uh, yeah, we won the last one. Like, Good and job. We, we cried. Like, we all got in a circle and we fucking cried, dude. We tried so hard. God, I wish I was around for those melee days. Yeah. They sound amazing. It was really fun. Again, you know, just these huge practices. And around this time, also, also, is where I started cross-gaming. Ooh. You know, because I had heard about amp guard practice and everything here in town. There was a hard bias against amp guard practice and old school melee. Um, yeah, there was this there was this period of time where people believed that if your weapon wasn't covered in strapping tape and duct tape and hurt to get hit with, then it wasn't manly or right or proper. Yeah, it wasn't real fighting. Yeah, and they tried to introduce all of these measures and the rules to try to keep uh, amp guard weapons out of melee. They should just put in a weight restriction from day one. Yeah. Would have been easy peasy. But That's in defense of AmpGuard, I, I came in around near the end of that whole right. hatred for AmpGuard. Um, I remember one of the main defenses for it was uh, you go and trade with AmpGuard, you're going to be a lot quicker out on the field whenever you come to Melee. Because you yeah. gotta, you got to be quick on your fucking feet out there, man. Yeah, am, I think AmpGuard, if, tr- if you're trying to get better at whatever game that you're doing that's not AmpGuard, go fight go, go, go fight at your local AmpGuard practice. See if you can find any local warlords or sword knights. Yeah, you mm-hmm. man, fuck. Fucking stork it out at AmpGuard when he's fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, uh, I firmly believe that there is some amount of fighting style differences when it comes to like the weight of your weapon yeah there are a lot of things that you can do with a lighter weapon a lot more easily but still going out to those faster swinging games 
it makes you so much mentally quicker and that faster mental processing speed will make you better at whatever other game you're playing. Yeah, it's a lot like it's a lot like um our first podcast subject that we talked about. Yes. It's a lot lot like the UFC fighting. If you want to be a good UFC fighter, you have to have good ground game, you got to have good BJJ. LARP fighting is MMA. <laughs> Top 10 YouTubers who swore about LARP fighting. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, no. Like you want a good ground game? All right, go do BJJ. All right, but what happens if they don't go to the ground? Well, I'm going to need to learn something else. I'll learn karate right. or, or fucking Wing Chun or some shit like that. Right. Same with fighting. All right, I got I got my ground game. I can hit real good, and I can know where to place my shots. Well, see, I think, but I think, I'm not that fast. I, th- I think it is different. I think that if you go to Amp Guard, you learn how to do everything just better. Yeah. I mean, just if only because it has the most refined competitive scene in the foam world. And there's such a huge, huge uh, emphasis on information sharing and like everybody getting as skilled as possible. Um, I mean, I know I know no amp guard fighter that's ever complained about having to use a dag weapon because it's heavy. Never met a single yeah. one that's done that. I, I I don't know. Like I just think it's it's really great. And I got to go fight. You know, again, I was probably eight or nine years into the game. Maybe maybe seven or eight years into the game before I ever fought out of state at a non melee event. I've been to like this event called Conclave in Colorado Springs a few times. So the melee group up there it was the only one that we ever went to outside of the state. There, I think there used to be one forever ago in St. Louis, which, if I remember correctly, morphed into the Black Company, the DAG unit. Yep. Over time, that's the story at least. And then I heard that there was a group. So there's a group in St. Louis for a while. There's a group in I think South Carolina for a little bit. Then there's the Mulgee group, which is a suburb of Oklahoma, of Tulsa. Basically, it's like 45 minutes away. Uh, and then the Colorado Springs one. Well, I went to a Amp Guard event in Texas with this guy named Fenton, who was constantly top of the like, top of the heap in melee fighters. Like, you know, he probably would have racked up more tournament wins had he fought them than you know Zero ever did. Fenton's the stories of Fenton still go on to and this there's still, day. There's still a lot of bias against Fenton because people say that he's a very thick fighter. That he cheats. He doesn't take shots. Yeah. I've had a little bit of experience with this, but every time I brought it up to him, he's been the nicest guy. I think that he is just so into it that he forgets. And he really should keep better track of what happens. But I think he's just so into the moment that he, you know, it doesn't, he, he gets a little bit intense. Gets a little yeah. bit thick about it. And it's just, I don't All, know. He, Oliver's I, a lot like him in that it, way, yeah. I've done it too. I've definitely slipped shots because I was mad or I was pumped up or I was angry that I later felt like shit about. Or like two steps later, I'm like, no, I'm going to take that. But, I mean, if you watch Fenton fight on a field, it is 100% motion, 100% of the time. Um, but I still really respected him as a fighter even then. And to this day, he's still one of the better fighters in the area. Yeah. Like, that unfortunately, man. he has his reputation to where people will fight him and be like, oh, no, he's cheating. Well, yeah. if he was a cheater, and I don't know if he used to be. I mean, there's so many stories that have to, be, have to come from somewhere. Yeah. He's much, much, much better now. I mean, he doesn't have that rap in the AMP community. God, no. And... Uh, you know, yeah, he's a solid fighter. He and Zero and Alucard reminded, were invited me down to uh, Banner Wars in Texas. As an event site called Tanglewood Forest. And if any Amp Guard guys hear that name, Tanglewood Forest and Shiver, I feel you, dude. It was my first event there. That site and those people, they did kind of suck. Um, the best thing about that event was there was a tavern 45 feet away from the Tulsa campsite. Oh, which was shit. Neato, which is fucking neato. 
I was like 17, 18. Let me drink all the fuck I wanted to. Hey. Hey. Uh, what up, Tavern? Uh, there might be drama about this. Don't let there be drama about this. When I tell you guys the story of my first fucking fighting event, yeah, that that's probably where the drama will come. Yeah, in. so don't start drama. Also, don't get don't give alcohol to minors. Yeah, I definitely mean, don't do that. If you have a problem with it? Don't do it. Don't let your friends do it. But it happened to me. It'll happen to you. Happened to me. Uh, so that was cool. They they did. Ha- I, I went basically because I was told there was a twenty four hour lit ditch field. And ditch fighting and foam fighting is you start off with two roughly evenly sized teams. You fight it out, and the winning team sends the first person that died on their team to the opposing team. Yeah. And so it's super just, fun fights. Yeah. Yeah. Really fast. Goes back and forth very quickly. Lasts forever. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's the idea. It just keeps going. And so I showed up and ditched for a while and it was fun. Fought some really good guys. Um, the ground out there was horrible though. Cause at one point I think it was just a big sand pit, but all the sand had been stomped out of it. And so it was just a bunch of rocks and shit. <laughs> yep. Tore my knees the fuck up. Uh, and then I got to meet a guy go by the name of monkey monkey is to this day one of the best fighters i fought uh, it's either him or brett i have no idea which is better i just don't know i think brett might have a little bit of an edge on him but uh monkey was like again talking about fighting some big fish fighters i thought that i'd yeah. seen top of the heap i thought top of the heap fighters were like finton and then i watched monkey just obliterate finton and I, I realized that I knew nothing <laughs> about the size of the fish in these fin- waters. Finton was the big fish of a small pond. Yes. Yeah. It. A lot. A lot of the more famous fighters in our very small groups are going to have that sort of big fish in a small pond. Yeah. But the just multitude and endless vast almost of the biggest fish, the whales out yes. there is just insane yep. you can find video of fighter after fighter who will just murder sui with only a dagger you can f- just yeah bliss goes on well and the, and the skill gap is intense because yeah. a, 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 a like top five percent fighter won't touch a top one percent fighter it's just like the the, the 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 valleys in between the percentages at the top of the game are huge um and what's nice about Amgard again is they publicize a lot like tourney results. They have tourney tracking. You can you find out who the biggest fucking whale is right now. I think it's still, yeah. I think it's still Brennan, but like, you know, the, if you want to know who the best foam fighter is in the States, there he is. I don't care what game you want to talk about. There is no dag or bell fighter better than the, t- better than whoever the top amp guard warlord is right now. Promise you just because the culture is not there for it. The culture is there in Ampgard, and they've been trying to do it a lot longer than anybody else has. Now, again, if you want to start talking about skill sets outside of home fighting games, like SCA, ACL, yeah. doesn't really carry over, except in the SCA. Guess who one of the top all-time legendary fighters is? Is it a dag fighter? Spin. And if you're an Ampgard dude, Spin was one of like the original, like, oh my god, what the fuck, he's so good, warlords. What? And now in SCA, it's the same thing. Fights two, fights two stick, he's great. He's a rogue. Huge company in Ampgard is Rogue Company. They also have a fucking whole uh, like SCA chapter and park and everything. Yeah, um, Angus bringing that dude back up again. When he did his transition over from Dagger here to SCA, he found that he was really good at it because they have that ring that bell stance where they hold their sword yes. overhead. And he would do the same thing, but rather than swinging in for a strike, he would wrap into the ribs. Because they wouldn't be blocking there. They would be trying right. to block their head. 
And I remember him telling us about this. He was like, yeah, man, I'll go out there and I won't get killed because I'll just keep slapping him in the ribs. Yep. It, uh, yeah, the foam game transfers pretty well over to SCA. I imagine that fighting great, the transition of fighting great sword and foam to fighting great sword in the SCA is pretty gentle. Yeah. But I know that sword and board fighting, the transition is kind of rough because you have to get used to blocking six inches higher or 10 inches higher because at SCA from the knees down is an illegal strike zone, but your whole head it. is legal because you have a yeah. helmet. So you really have to shift your guard a bit higher. But, uh, yeah, so I went to Banner Wars. I got to fight, like, one of the first great fighters ever fought. Later on, just to, I think last year, I got to fight Sir Brett for the first time. Hell, he yeah. He's my foam-fighting senpai. I want to fight just like him. Um, but, I, you know, he's a, he's a bigger dude. He's also a ton of weight here. Uh, Brett Skinner, if you ever listen to this podcast, bro, I'm super proud of you because I was a fat dude who lost some weight, and I'm putting it back on. You are also a fat dude that's lost way more weight than I have. It looks like you're keeping it off. I see you on the fucking Warlord Sports videos. Good man. Looking good, dude. Keep it, keep it good fucking man. going. Um, but, you know, Brett was still a fucking fat dude with ball bearings for knees. And I, I don't have ball bearings for knees. I have a knee and a half, you know. Like his fucking knees would swivel on, on demand? We'll look up some Brett videos here in a bit. I think I may have shown you That's this insane. one. insane. Yeah. Um, around this Is time, he the dude that, that moves into leads? No, the lead no? exchange? No, that's Tato. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I want to fight Tato. Tato's like a muscle memory monster. Uh, I also wanted to do a shout-out to my buddy Weevil. Weevil didn't really give me a good story to tell. One time I hit Weevil in the face. His real name is uh, Daniel Reader. I have no idea what his actual persona name is. All I know is that he's a slave to a fellow I know named Chongo in lore, and his slave name is Weevil. So what up, Weevil? What up, Weevil? I don't got a story about you. You just wanted me to mention my free rhinoplasty services. And so I guess check whatever service we're using to show you photos. Um, yeah, there's a, that's me hitting you in the nose. There you go, Weevil. Yep. I've also had, I had my nose broken doing film fighting also. Man. Really? Yeah. I was out at Ulk Mulgi and uh, there's going to be the picture of it. But yeah, uh, yeah, I got, I was doing a round robin and I was like, so a round robin, you start off with like two guys fighting in a circle of fighters. Yeah. And whoever dies, go back to, go back to his place in line. And the next person going clockwise steps in and fights the guy in the middle. Yeah. And you keep doing this till somebody rings the whole circle. It goes back all the way around to the guy they fought the first time, beats them again. And then he wins. Right. It's kind of rare. Well, I'm like three quarters of the way through the circle and this fighter named Blue hits me in the face real hard. Yeah, hey, I know Blue. And no, not Dag Blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, is a, dude from, this is a dude from Mulk Mulgi. Okay. And uh, he like hits me in the face real fucking hard with a hard melee weapon, you know. And uh, my whole face like goes numb. And I was there with uh, Marco. And yeah. Marco like pulled me aside. He's like, bro, you okay? You need to stop. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. He's like, dude, your nose is fucked. I'm like, nah. And so we take a picture, and of course I'm cheesing because I'm in shock. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And like you can see my nose is all swollen up and like a little bit off to the side. And he's like, dude, you need to stop. I'm like, but I'm about to win. And so I won, and then I went and sat down. <laughs> I got I got two breaks stories. All right. I uh, broke I broke Toki's collarbone. Oh no. That was me. So he was chasing after me, and I threw my spear behind my back so I could trip him up and then switch around and throw for the chest. Yeah. Tripped him up a little too well. Uh, he rolled and smashed right into the shaft of my spear with his shoulder. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure if you know this, but in melee, that's fine. In Dag, you're not allowed to try to trip people with weapons. Well, they didn't, they didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me that. <laughs> so he smashes into the shaft. You just wanted to win. Yeah, I just really wanted to win real bad. Um, so he smashes into it, breaks his collarbone. I'm freaking out. So I offered to go take care of his kids while he's in the hospital getting his go. fucking collarbone reset. So I hang out with his kids for like four hours. 
He had some good babies. And then every time I would see him after that, I'd be like tying his kids' shoes or bringing them something to drink because yeah. I just felt like <laughs> terrible. And then not too long after that, I broke my hand by, by blocking Brandon's red. At the yes. time, my brother was working at Panera, so I break my hand. I'm like, hey, guys, I think my hand's oh, broken. Oh, yeah, you told me about this, yeah. They're like, yeah, it's broken. And my brother looks at me, he goes, keep fighting. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know if I should. He goes, no, no, no. Keep fighting. It's fine. So I keep fighting. Keeps getting hit, swelling up more. Then we go into the woods. Where uh, at? Uh, out at Lakey. Leak? Okay. Yeah. And um, I go into the woods. I start rubbing my hand against things in the woods. Why? Like guys, like walking past it. Oh, shit. Okay. Not like purposely walking up to a tree and going, I wonder how this feels. Does this make it better? <sighs> Let me rub some uh, some of this weird leaf on it. Why it's is like, it itching? It's now? like it's like Resident Evil. You just got to rub some herbs into it. Yeah, fine. just rub some herbs into it. I want to rub herbs into my dog and make him better. <laughs> um, and so rather than going straight home after I'm like, Oliver, I'm not fighting anymore. This hurts a lot. We go to Panera to get some food. And then my brother decides to help close at Panera. My dad shows up and starts yelling at him right in the middle of fucking a Panera <laughs> while there's customers still in there. They about your hand or about him deciding to close? Deciding to close while I have a broken hand. Because at some point, oh, okay. he just texts him like, oh, hey, by the way, Nathaniel broke his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so we head home. I feel so bad for your parents Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, uh, we're, we're terrible kids. Love you, Mom and Dad. You're the best. Um, it's So we get home, and my mom's like, it's like almost 11 o'clock at night yeah. by the time we get home. My mom's just like, all right, get in the car. Let's go to the hospital. My dad's just fucking railing my brother about not coming <laughs> home. He's like, we were supposed to fix these light switches tonight. And you weren't home. <laughs> That's like the thing he's most angry about. My mom's like, yeah, this is what happened. There's a photo of me. We'll probably show it with my hand in a cast. Just like, yeah, I did it. That's <laughs> one of my bucket list things was breaking a bone. Oh, great job. But yeah, yeah, it was, oh, man. You want to get shot, too? I can help. We almost had shot, too. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. If I can remember in the art. No, no, I meant, boom. like, do you want to get shot? I'll shoot you. Oh. Is that also on your bucket list? Yeah, it is, actually. We're going to save the Yerf story for another day. Yeah, that. Yeah, we don't want to talk about boom, that right baby. now. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I got I got a few more points to hit, then I'll be done with my whole rant about foam fighting. Yeah, yeah. So around this time, after I after like you know a couple of years of bouncing around from little melee team to little melee team, a few things really started happening. Part of the reason that I wasn't super invested into melee anymore, you know, I was just kind of floating. I was Leo's on Blood Dragons at the time with Marco. I was murked yeah. out to him, or no, maybe a little bit out of, out of uh, order, but either way. I really started getting into cross gaming again because a couple of guys started showing up at uh, melee practice. Yeah, go by the name of Chongo and Drode. Hey. Yeah, 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 Chong Bombadillo, and you know God they they were dag fighters out of St. Louis who had just moved to town here recently, and they were at Top Deck, a game shop, one night, and somebody was talking about melee, and like, oh yeah, let's go the fuck out. And you know, anytime somebody had come to our practice before with a cloth covered weapon. We were like, what the fuck is this? Get out of here, Amp Guard, dude. Please leave. Chongo and Dro just showed up, though, and just were the chillest, nicest dudes. Really good people. They you followed know. the tenets of chill very closely. It's true. It's true. It's true. You know, Chongo wrote them. And yeah. uh, so I kind of just started getting to know them and wanted to hang out with them. Went to like a couple dag practices, and eventually me and my buddy Jake decide that we're going to go on a whim to this uh, dag event. 
and I'm gonna no, fuck it. I'm gonna tell the whole story of my first DAG event. Please do. All right, it's a doozy. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my mic down here for a moment. All right, floor <laughs> is yours. All right, so we get this idea to go to this event. We're gonna be riding with Toki, Toki and his uh, then wife Amanda. I can't remember if their kids came or not. I don't know. Their kids didn't come, but they're also taking their massive dog, Simon, who's a, literally a wolf, big fucking dog. And they're taking their minivan and Mandy's like wagon. And so we all show up. We're trying to load this trailer for this van. We immediately realize that nobody ha- fucking knows how to load a trailer. It's a travesty. It's a shit show. Um, there's a thing associated with Toki we called wizard time. Cause man, he's a sweet guy, but project manager he isn't and uh so we finally get loaded up after like maybe like two hours of trying and we're packed into this van like we're, we're close to sitting on laps we got more gear with us and around this time i hear that we're going to be picking up the unit we're going to be camping with is army of mordor we're going to be picking up because uh, like toki was a member joe was a member john was a member uh we we're going to be picking up one of the uh people one of the aom peoples and the entire aom kitchen from Joplin along the way. So we get there and this chick, Aluria takes one look at the van and is like, what the fuck that dude? Like, no way. What? We make it work. We get loaded back up. So we're about 30 minutes outside of Joplin headed towards this event. Gates of summer. I think it's the infamous gates known as rain gates. Cause it rained the whole fucking time. Um, spoiler alert. That's where the story's going. Car breaks down. Mm, we're over on the side of the road trying to get figured out. Aluria in the camp kitchen gets picked up by somebody else on the way to this event. We're still like an hour and a half out, maybe two hours out. Trying to get this all sorted. Again, we must have like nine, ten people, a dog, two car full of, fulls of gear, and a trailer full of gear. Cop shows up. High patrol shows up. And I guess that somebody on the side of the road had phoned in that we were smoking marijuana on the side of the road. Somebody had seen us cause it, me and Paul Orban were just chilling there smoking pipe tobacco and we, you know, we're greasy teenagers with band t-shirts and long hair smoking pipes on the side of the road. Hi, hi, hi shows up. So that was a shitty adventure. Uh, we eventually get set up with like a tow truck coming out to get the van. Mandy drives ahead to the site, the tow truck, the tow yard. And that leaves like, you know, six, seven of us on the side of the road, just walking down the road, carrying all our gear, you know, like as much as we can walk in five, six miles to the tow yard. We're walking for like maybe an hour, hour and a half. And somebody with us gets a hold of like an uncle or something in the area. The uncle and aunt show to pick up, you know, these five, six people in a pickup truck because they were not informed. And not only a pickup truck, a pickup truck with a uh, a bed lid or whatever you want to call it. And myself and two other people squeeze into the rear of this cab with like little bucket seats. And the, everyone else lays down like fucking sardines in a can. And they close this lid on them and we drive off to the tow site. We weather the night there inside of this fucking t- uh, van and this other car. And the only good thing about that is we had more bottles of liquor than we had people. Dear Lord. So about the time this is all happening, this massive fucking storm rolls in. And I eventually get like a couple hours of sleep. This dude named Razbanair. What up, Razbanair? Fucking love you, dude. Sean Ackerman. My boy. Great dude. 
pulls up from the event site in his SUV, grabs a load of people, goes back, says he'll try to come back later and get more people. Mandy and everybody goes ahead in their car that'll fit in there. Brian's dad, Toki's dad, drives all the way from Tulsa to come pick the rest of us up and our trailer and all our gear and takes us to the campsite. That was an awkward fucking ride. Then we find out once we get there that one of the the biggest fucking thing we packed, a GP medium army tent that can sleep like a fucking platoon of people, wasn't needed because somebody else brought one. So I get there. We're all sitting around this fucking gigantic campfire in this, uh, you know, the, 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 and there's this canopy in the trees. That's literally just a parachute that somebody stretched out like among the trees because it's drizzling and raining the whole time. And I go walking up, and I had heard the whole time that you have to come up with a name for these DAG events. Like, before that, I was like Lord Trim at Melee. Trim is my last name. It wasn't inventive at all. I'm like, yeah, if you have a shitty name, they'll give you a fucking name. It's going to suck. And so, like, you know, I know fighters who have been named Gator Tits. One of the chicks that we brought with us was named Goat Fucker. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm waiting to go up. To, like, everyone's like, all right, come up, introduce you. Like, who are you? Introduce yourself to us. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, on the way up there, I had been talking to somebody. I was in a bad mood, I guess, because, like, I said, like, man, I just feel like I have a whole lot of natural hatred for, like, a lot of things. Then I was, like, natural hatred. Nat, nat, nate. Nate, hatred. Nate, nate, hatred. Natred. Natred. That's my fucking dag name now. And I showed up, and I was, like, I am. It was Army of Mordor, right? I'm, like, I am Natred. I am the half-orc paladin from Port Dragonmaw, which is, like, the, the dag realm for Tulsa. And they were, like, oh, fuck, yeah, Natred. And instantly cool. I was, like, fuck, yeah. It's been my name ever since, aside from a time I was known as Pickles for a little bit. But that's my slave name now. Uh, but uh, we sat around this fucking fire, and everyone just passed everything they had. You know, a little bit, a little bit of reefer madness, some fucking, like, lots of booze. And just got wasted. Pass out. Wake up. To somebody stepping on my head on accident. Real mad. Roll over like, what the fuck, dude? Like, ready to go. And this is dude. I'm not going to name his name because I don't want to call anyone out there for smoking pot or anything by name. But uh, it was one of the higher-ups in the Army of Mordor. I had no idea who he was. And he was like, oh, shit, dude. I didn't see you there because we were asleep in this GP medium. It's on a tarp. Like... It rained. We were still. We were wet. We got wet while we were sleeping. It's fucking savage, dude. And I was like, "Oh shit, dude, I'm so sorry." And I'm like, "Man, what the fuck?" He's like, "You want to smoke some hash?" And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> and so like, get fucking ripped. Go out. So I'm doing nothing to help people who like aren't into fucking marijuana or alcohol. Get into foam fighting, but I want to tell my tale. And so go out. Uh, breakfast is being cooked. And another one of the AOM generals is walking around with, like, this Tupperware container full of this black, oily, like, thick substance and dispensing, like, spoonfuls of it to people. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of weird cult shit is this? And he comes over, and I'm like, uh. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, like, what's your name? I'm like, I'm Natrid. He goes, hey, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up? He's like, you want some? What is it? Oh, it's marijuana, honey. I was like, fuck yeah, brother. So eat some of that. Eat a few breakfast burritos. My shoes are just caked in mud at this point. Like, you, you were doing good if you were only ankle-deep in mud this whole, like, event. Uh, there were times where, like, I seriously came halfway up the calf just into mud. My shoes were destroyed. I tried to clean them off by the fire. The mud dried, formed a fucking kiln, melted my shoes. That happened. Uh, so I'm just barefoot for the rest of the event now. Not happy about it. 
I don't have any gear. I borrow gear off of Curie's first time I ever met Curie. He used to be on Army Mordor also. Such a handsome boy. I get like this square shaped buckler and long sword from him. And then like, all right, well, it's time to go out onto the field and do some fucking fights. And I was like, fucking yeah, let's do it. And I'd done like some pickup games the day before and it was fun. This was totally different. Army of Mordor is huge at this time. They probably had like 60, 70, 80 people there. And we go walking up onto the field not in formation, but like in a big fucking mob. And I'm learning all these fucking marching songs and chants that they have and call and answer battle cries. And we're carrying a fucking ballista and a catapult with us. And we go marching up onto the field. We get out onto the field. They immediately start marshalling us into like units and like assigning tasks and commanders and everything. I'm fucking pumped. I'm so down because, you know, across the field, it's 150 dudes. And I'm like, you know, 150 dudes on this side of the field. And like, we're just excited. And I realized that no one is calling a fight. Like, there's no, like, fight being organized here. But we're going to fucking fight. Because, like, we walked onto the field, and, like, all the evil guys, evil percent of dudes came over to our side of the field. And all the good guys went to the other side of the field. And that was my first ever, like, massive field battle in DAG. And we have to post a series of pictures. But if you go through the series of pictures, you'll see our sides closing with each other. You'll see my chubby ass break out in front at a full sprint. And what I'm seeing is I'm charging forward just a wall of people. And I'm looking for somebody to fucking punk. And I see this guy running towards me. And we make eye contact. And he, like, kind of just checks down on me. And, like, like nope. And just kind of, like, veers off a little bit. And I'm like, all right, that's not my boy. And then I see this dude behind him. We make eye contact, and he fucking accelerates towards me, and I'm like, yeah, yup, there's my boy. Run in, like, he fucking bashes me so hard, I fall over. I fucking hit him in the back, though. It's like I'm falling down, like I, sh- I shoulder wrap him, hit the ground, get back up, try to kill somebody else, get killed in the process, and I was like, fuck yeah, dagger here. That was really fun. Went back to the fucking campsite that night, got fucking wasted after fighting all day, got, like, probably the most drunk and most high I've ever been in my entire life and not lost consciousness. Not ever trying to go back there again. Um, saved Chongo's life because he was falling asleep and it was like 40 degrees and it was raining, 40 degrees and it was raining on him and he just passed out in a chair, fucking drunk. Me and little Jake Stevenson had to carry him back up to his tent. We got like, ha- I got halfway. I got him like to this little bridge. Like there's this little bridge that went across the stream and the bridge is flooded. There's like six inches of running water going across the bridge and there's this really steep veering hill that's all mud. And I get up there and I'm like, Jake, I can't. You have to take this man. And Jake fucking hauled him up that hill. Chongo is not a small man Chongo is a hefty fella. Yeah, he is. Hefty, hairy fella. So, wake up the next day, and we come to the realization that we're going to have to go home in waves. Like, Mandy's going to have to take a load of people home, then come back, pick up another load of people, take them home, and then Brian's dad will show up and pick up the fucking trailer and the last few people and all their gear. So I decided to be one of the volunteers because as much fun as I've had, I'm over it. You know, there's no running water on this campsite. There's no showers. There's like one porta john for two, two, one or two porta johns for like 300-ish people. Not having a good day. Covered in mud. But I want to get really fucking high before I leave. And so there's this unit called uh, Tribe United. And I stagger over to their camp. And the, the, the theme of Tribe United is it's all Native American folks. And they fight in like... Native American regalia, style regalia and everything. It's really cool looking. Based out of Colorado, I believe. At least the two guys who I know on that unit are. Go over there and I'm like, hey, I know you guys don't know me, but I have to leave early. I just really want to get high first. They're like, have you not smoked weed yet? I'm like, no. Like, not today. And they're like, fuck, come on, dude. And so like, you know, five minutes later, I'm sitting with these two like, 
I think they're full-blooded Native American dudes. They're all painted up in red, like have all the shit, have, have all their fucking like awesome garb on and shit. And they're smoking out of a glass sword of like, you know, dispensary grade Colorado marijuana. And we're just sitting on the side of this creek bank getting misted on, just getting wrecked. I got so high I couldn't walk up a hill. And in my memory, this hill is brutal. I went back there a few years later. It's seriously like just the easiest Jesus. slope. But it was muddy. And I remember uh, I was with Mandy's friend Mariah, and we were the last people to pack out of the campsite. And I get to this hill, and I'm like, I don't think I can. And Mariah turns to me. She's like, you know what, Nathan? You can do this. We can, we can do this. And I was like, fuck yeah. Slog my way up this hill. Takes forever. <laughs> we get to the car. Car is sank down to about like the chassis and mud. Well, the guy who owns the site is trolling around on his tractor just for this, puts his tractor into like negative eighth gear and pulls us out of the mud. And we get all loaded up, you know, before he comes to pull us out and try to pull out and realize we can't. And it's me, two other fat boys, Mandy in the driver's seat and Mariah in the passenger seat. Once we get out of the mud, no matter how we cram ourselves in there, we cannot fit these three wide bodies in the back seat again. And Mariah, being a fucking trooper, volunteers to sit in the middle between them. These two sweaty, nasty nerds, you know, hadn't showered for two days and been fighting in the mud and shit. And I was baked. So once we got rolling, I just basically chatterboxed like this all the way home, talking about computers and video gaming. And Mandy, for all that, you know, heard me being like a computer nerd, took me up my first job doing uh, work from home type stuff on the tech side. And that's my first ag event. It's also been the shittiest ag event I've ever been to. But by God, I kept going back. Every time, man. Every yeah. time. I love it, man. Oh, geez, yeah. Well, let me see if I can run through the rest of my bit real quick. Yeah, go for it. Uh, around this time was when I started fighting on a team called House Nuremberg. Not Nuremberg for like the Nuremberg Trials. Nuremberg because it was like the medieval uh, military capital of Germany. But we were, we did field in like, you know, we'd field for a few years, or the unit would field for a few years and drop off and field for a few years. And every time they had a new addition, they called it a Reich, a reign. Guess when I started fighting for Nobelhaus Nuremberg? Third Reich. Third Reich. And so, yeah, a lot of people called us Nazis. We did have a whole lot of German regalia, like iron crosses and double-headed falcons on our shit, which were all viable pieces of iconography before Hitler went and fucking ruined them. Yeah. Like and his so, mustache. Yeah. And so because people started calling us Nazis, we became the biggest, bestest, gayest Nazis we could. Oh, hell yeah. You yeah. Did. We, we tried to make such a fucking parody of their complaints that it just became laughable and people still tried. Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You want to call us Nazis? I have a hard time telling you like you're wrong, but we're Nazis in leather pants grinding on each other out in the field. Saying this is the best thing we've ever done. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. How's it going, baby yeah. boy? Uh, do you want to come to my sparkle party? Ooh. Come over to Hasnernberg. We have a great time. And so this team uh, was super powerful. It ran on a lot of drugs. Um, yeah, it did. Yeah. Oh, my we, God. We can't get too into that, but uh, thank God drug testing isn't a thing. Because, meh. But, uh, yeah, we, we, aside from just the drugs, like, we weren't successful because of the drugs. It just helped, right? Right. If you, if you want <laughs> right. to say that. Yeah. No, no, but we, we slammed out a bunch of armor kits. Um, we try, we, we built this really, really crazy. You guys like, were one of the most productive units. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we had, a, you know, crazy amounts of armor, crazy amounts of teamwork. And around this time, Brandon, one of the guys who was kind of helping lead the uh, Nuremberg's return, 
started uh, House um, Van Roe. Yeah. Uh, another melee team that started out as a part of House Nuremberg as like, like a launching board eventually split off because basically we were just too damn fucking strong. Too strong, too I, big. I, th- I, th- yeah. th- I think factually we, we are we were the most – because in Melee there were no restrictions. You can have as many guys as you want on a yeah. team, as much armor as you want on a team, and we wanted to win. We, ju- we just want to win. We just want to win. I remember I, remember, uh, I started – just started hanging out with Melee, uh, House Nuremberg and like getting to know Liam and Huff and all of them. Right. Whenever the talk about we need somebody to fight against – Right. Um, so let's just have House Van Row. Basically, yeah. Like, we, and also we we decided that because as far as I know, we are like were the most dominant melee faction ever. Uh, in, in in a year, we we lost one faction battle. Yeah, you guys had and a fucking presence. It was just a stranglehold, and so Justin Robinette Sterling the Bear. He wanted me to talk about Sterling. the the Sterling Fatine. He wanted us to talk about the monster that was Voltron and like <laughs> the, 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 the the beauty of our shield line. Because we 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 tried really hard. We tried to use tactics really, really, really hard. And I ended up being line sergeant of Noble House Nuremberg, and I had two anchors. I believe one was Nerd. And the other was Robinette, who would be my left and right anchor. Yeah. And we would just try to perform these maneuvers on the field. And one of the most common one, the one we all tried to pull off, was a rotating line. And so the way this works basically is that your entire line will advance to yeah. meet the main enemy force. And then whoever my right anchor is will start trying to edge around the right side. And the second that he gets the, that right side to curl a little bit, our entire guys, while staying in the line, will start trying to shuffle to the right and get this team rolling backwards on their right side. So they're constantly being eaten up and pushed back on their right side and having to chase us on the left side. And while we're doing this, let's say, again, we're, we're rotating them to the right, making their left flank go backwards and our right flank go forwards and you know, opposite for the other flank and our center is just kind of pivoting. While we're doing that, as their left side is chasing our retreating, or as their, as their right side is chasing our retreating left side, our flankers pop around the back, get in on their backside, shave off a bunch of dudes. It was super, super, super powerful. Um, there's an awesome picture of fucking Robinette right next to me on the way into a faction battle. And you see me with my tower shield and like my huge tower shield, my long-ass fucking field-fighting mace, like yelling some sort of command and then to my left is robinette with his fucking gigantic tower shield mace and heavy as fuck armor yeah and we're just stomping into combat but we were team slow jams like we were the fucking anvil that teams got hammered against and it was it was a beautiful thing to be a part of and people would discount it all the time just being like oh you guys are just so big people would drive by and yell yeah, like people, oh, like oh oh your team like you know talking just complaining about our team like oh your team is just so oh, big yeah. Yeah, because we recruited and retained members really, really hard. We tried to get rope people in and keep them. Oh, well, your team just had too much armor. Yeah, we, we built that. That's why we yeah. have so much. Yeah, like, I don't know what else. Those are the main two complaints. I don't know what else to tell you, bud. Like, recruit harder. Make more armor. You guys are too tactically sound. I never heard that one. Well, no that would, shit. Because that would imply that the other team was not. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to do to self-diss themselves like that. But, man, that team was fun. Great culture, fucking everywhere from like Jarrett Metcalf, the house daddy, all down through the ranks to yeah. like our really young dudes like Elmo and uh, fuck, I can't remember oh, Elmo's friend. What is his name? Oh, 
Devin. I know his name's Devin. His real life name is Devin. But, uh, you know, Devin Hixenbaugh, I think. Hixenbaugh. Fucking wonderful little guys. Uh, SCA legacy children. Um, yeah. But, yeah, man, we just smashed people. And eventually Van Road did split off to form their own team. Their first battle they ever fielded, in their first faction battle they ever fielded as, they walked onto the field with no weapons. They won that faction battle. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard about that one. The grappling game back then was fucking intense. Yes. I mean, also, just people would die, and at Melee, you don't have to drop your gear when you die, because it is your own personal gear. You can decide what to do with it. But a lot of times, it's just kind of common courtesy. Like, it's it's a very honorable thing to do for if somebody, like, is like, hey... Drop your gear, bro. You're dead. It'd be like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like it could change up the game a lot too. It can. Like imagine you're a team with no spears and you rush and kill the only spearman on an enemy team. You want that ten foot spear. You want that reach. Reach is lethality in range combat and in field combat, man. So yeah, Voltron was nuts. We'll get that picture down there. Fucking mm, the salt we got. So the, tasty. The event that we put on where for like two or three months I was organizing this gathering, and the theme of the gathering is Odin's Wolves, our rivals, versus Nurnberg. This big, like, storyline setting battle with all these, like, thematic games where, like, yeah. depending on who won, like, basically, I think it was... So in Melee, you had each park in Tulsa was owned by, like, a Thane of Melee. And it was kind of your responsibility as a Thane. Like, you'd battle for Thaneship. And then you would host events, try to host events, like, bid for events on your park, on your Thaneship. And you would get, like, a cut of the, like, fake money system in Melee of, like... The Sin. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the Sin. It was called Sin. Funny. Um, uh-huh. Good joke. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just a prestigious thing to do for the community. So I organized one on my land, which in, like, the lore that we would write for this. Like, almost everyone I know has written backstory for their character. Me too. You were a um, Thane? Yeah, I was a Thane for a while. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, over um, Minshaw Park. The one that, that Russell's on and on about. That's awesome. I yeah, never dude. knew you were a Thane, man. Uh, it was at the time that uh, Raven's Blood, another legendary melee team, had yeah. kind of melted into Nurnberg. And so I called it New Ravenberg. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was my Thane ship. I like it. Yeah, New like Ravenberg. It. And the like theme of the event, because it was on, quote unquote, my land, was an Odin's Wolves like raiding party is trying to get back at fucking... Um, the uh the 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 fucking Nuremberg menace yeah you know they were supposed to be the good guys in the event and we're supposed to be the bad guys and they had months to prepare and i told him like yeah you know th- there's no restrictions on this recruit politic recruit like hell fuck yeah you need to do we did we fielded Nuremberg and the blood dragons damn we wrecked we, we we demolished well hell yeah you did and you know there's a lot of anger about that like oh well you know it, was, it wasn't fun because we you know we lost and I'm like, brother, what have we done that you cannot do? Do you think that we just like opened up a fucking Nazi meat locker in Germany and took a whole bunch of fucking white pride dudes out and thought them out and made Nuremberg? Would have been a lot easier if that were so, but no. And also we aren't Nazis, technically. We are Nazi Nazis. Dude, can you imagine? We love the Jews. Can you imagine if like uh, Van Roe chanting rape and like grinding on each other on the field was a thing during the Me Too movement? Can you imagine oh if fucking Nuremberg was around when white nationalists, I mean Nazis, started popping back up in fucking America? Yeah, no, that would have been never would have happened. Yeah, we missed that by a couple of years. That's the right. Obama years were real easy on us. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, even 
even before the Obama years. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Van Rowe got the word rape banned from the melee field, got grinding on each other banned from the melee field. And so they started chanting grape instead and wrote it into the lore that they were all peaceful, like vineyard owners who had gone <laughs> to war. Leave it up to sea daddy. Yeah. Old, old sea daddy. What a brand and love you, baby. Man. So yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a, there was a lot of salt about that, but I'm like, man, you know, go recruit, be cooler, offer people some fucking weapons or food or booze or something. We did that. Yeah. Like, fuck, dude. And so around this time is also, I've said around this time a bunch this cast, because yeah. I'm all I'm trying to just get, get things right chronologically, is when I really started getting into cross gaming. Um, that a unit I camped with originally at my first agament, Army of Mordor. I went through their application process basically and went through all this testing, got accepted, started climbing the ranks in there because they have like a rank system that you have to climb by learning unit history and culture. You have to pass yeah. like a knowledge test about the game. You're, you're Snoggle. Snaga. Yeah. Snaga. Snaga is when you're, you're, when you're basically just a fraternity pledge. Someone has to sponsor you. Yeah. Um, you have to help set up tents, cook, you know, KP, all this stuff. Um, I worked up through that and then you have to like – to advance the ranks, you have to learn the culture of the unit. You have to pass like a cultural check. People have to like you. You have to pass a background check. Like people have to know that you know, or you have to pass a history test. Like you have to know things about the unit, where you came from, who the founders are. You, you got to pass, be legit. Yeah, you have to pass a knowledge test about the game. You have to pass a combat test, and all of these things are relevant. And I really got into the idea of competing through that system because it seemed really cool, and it was the most formula, like formulaized system I'd seen among any of these film fighting companies thus far. Met some great people, the lovely couple, uh, Molesty and Wolfsbane, love you guys. Mortalis, who I haven't seen in forever, but I remember you. I remember your Uncle Morty. Um, Melkor, one of the AOM generals. Kirai, again, who wanted to start his own unit, Path of the Dragon, and they are fucking beast. Yeah, they are. Dude, Path I, of the Dragon is great. One of the more recent Ozarks I went to, we fought against them, and we, we were with Ozarks. I was I don't remember if it was an Ozarks or a Dark Tides. It was probably Tides. a Dark Tides yeah. event, DAG event, yeah. We fielded against them. And, like, all the fights we'd done before went fine for us. And then the first fight we had against them fucking steamrolled us, dude. It destroyed us. Right on. Well, I have one more thing or a couple more things that I want to talk about. So my buddy Santiago wanted me to talk about my first battle for the Yozarks, which I believe was the last or second to last I've been t- I went to as a part of Army of Mordor. Eventually, because of a lot of drama, quite a few people left that unit downsized quite severely. And we started a Tulsa DAG unit, the Freelancers, which I'm now a part of. I was a founding member of. Love these guys. It's just basically all my melee Lance bros. online. Yeah, go learn today. All these uh, melee bros, we made a home for them in the DAG community, DAG Bell community. And it is the freelances. But the first battle for the Ozarks I went to was Army of Mordor. And it was in this period where myself and Angus were trying to hit up basically every single day event that we could reach. Yeah. And at the time, battle for the Ozarks was a little like one day just, you know, show up, fight, go home. uh, Big practice, basically. Yeah. Nobody there knew who we were. We didn't know anybody there. We'd just seen it on the Facebooks. So we show up. We don't know what to expect. They don't know what to expect either. And we just kind of waffle stomp a lot of these guys. Damn. Like, we won all of the tournaments. I won shield. I believe Cole won single sword. 
Angus won two weapon and great sword fighting. Very uh, believable. That dude's insane with a red. Yeah. Chongo won the Highlander tournament where basically you join up, you somebody puts up you put a bandana on your waist, and whenever you die, like you uh, we had some little audio issues there. I think we got it fixed now. I was talking about the Highlander tournament. You yeah. have a bandana on your waist, and throughout the event, you just find people to fight who have bandanas on their waist. Whenever you kill them, you take theirs, and you end up with a stash of them. Whoever has them all at the end of the day wins them. Chongo and I ended up having all of them, and we fought. Chongo killed me, so he won that one. And then during the Four Horsemen tournament, this is what Santiago wanted me to talk about. So Four Horsemen, basically four-man teams, whatever gear and armor set you want to use, no holds barred. We made this pact before the finals that if we came down to a situation where it was three of us versus one guy or four of us versus one guy, we were going to hold him down and sacrifice him to the chaos god of corn. And the way that we were going to do this is there's a thing you can do in Dag and Bell called fishing. And so, as I said way earlier, two shots of the same limb will kill you. If it's a slashing weapon in Dag and Bell, if it's a thrusting weapon, you can thrust off all of somebody's limbs and they won't die. If you, if you thrust them in a limb and the limb's off and you thrust them again in the same limb, nothing happens. So, we're in the finals. It's best two of three. We're about to win. We're, we just won the first one. We're getting ready to fight the second one. And I'm fighting this dude and I kill him and I look over and Angus is running past me with like, he's dropping his red he's reaching up to uh he's wearing a back shield on like on uh, backpack straps and nestled into the clip in the center of his back shield is this dagger and it's this ceremonial ceremonial like wedding dagger that were, was given out for to a few people for toki and marcy's uh wedding and so it's like this really neat dagger has this awesome plasti dipped like chaos corn symbol on the end of it because we're all bad guys right and I see him running and grabbing at this thing, screaming, fish him. And I look over and there's this guy who's in the middle of being tackled by like Chongo and Cole. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so we run over and this man is very confused. And but he hears the screaming fish him as we like hold him down. So we're trying to use this dagger to stab off all of his limbs. He's trying to throw his chest in front of our stabs to like kill himself. We get all his limbs taken off, and I wish it was on video. I wish I could remember what we said. But we basically just sat there and, like, praised corn for, like, a good, like, minute straight. And then just stabbed this dude through the heart with a foam dagger. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And this whole circle of people who had no idea who we were were like, what the fuck is this? What's happening in Tulsa? The accolades of corn have attacked. Yeah, dude. Man, that was one of my all-time favorite, like foam fighting singular moments was that it was god great. yeah that's amazing jesus that's also i think it was no shortly after that i met a man named ozzy ozzy wanted me to tell this story we met at some little like going away party event we didn't really get to know each other though when me and ozzy really connected as people was at the second battle for the ozarks i went to battle for the ozarks three and uh, we were, it's at a campsite now. It's an actual several day event, weekend yeah. event. And there's a river that runs through it. It's beautiful. And awesome little place. And myself and the boys are sitting out in the river. And I see these people come like floating on by. And I didn't know they were foam fighters. Like, I well, I think I did. I recognized them. And I had this bottle of like Gentleman Jack on me. And I looked out and I was like, hey, you guys want some whiskey? And they're like 30 yards away from me in the middle of the river. 
Ozzy turns, looks, points at me and goes, yes. And then just like tries to step out of his inner tube into the water, like falls and starts trying to like get towards me while getting taken away by the, uh, the river. And I started trying to like get out towards him. I felt like I was some like FEMA disaster relief like agent giving like aid to like Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. I'm like, oh my God, get him the whiskey. Get, he's, he's getting away. Get him the whiskey. And it's like, that's when me and Ozzy really met heart to heart. Whiskey River, man. Whiskey River. God so bless. the last thing, the very last thing I have to talk about is that was the third Battle of the Ozarks ever, my second one. I just came back two weeks ago from the sixth one. And again, it was it was a blast. Um, I did a personal challenge thing where I accepted best of threes all Friday to try to like place myself in the local foam fighting scene, see where I fell in. All three guys that beat me, I think I did like 10 or 12 and I, got, I lost three times. All three guys that beat me were from the same unit out of Nashville. Um, I got all their names and I raffled off to them my old beat up wizard hat. Yeah. Because I think that foam fighting, the best thing about foam fighting is making connections with nerds across the country. And I never met these guys before. And I really hope the guy that won it, um, the person named Braun, I really hope that at some point he does a weird test of metal like this and passes that hat off to somebody else. And so it goes on down the line. And then someday I want to be on an event at the West Coast and some guy walks by with my hat on his belt. And I'm like, holy shit. Holy shit, where'd it come from? How'd you get it? Who had it before that? Like, just tell me its lineage. Yeah, I want to know where it's been. Um, also, we I did my first float trip, that event, ever. Floated for the first time on a river. That was fun. Me and three other people on a raft. I went with my uh, my lovely my lovely girl-type Pokemon, my Polly partner. And uh, we had a few other people on our tent. Paul and Leanna were there. Um, Jacob and a girlfriend of his were there. I think they broke up. Yeah, they broke up here recently. But yeah, we were all staying in the same tent. It was going pretty well until one of our tent poles collapsed and we had to move them into the storage area of the tent we were going to use. We had this big five-room tent and we are going to have like a foyer and like storage area in the front and then just like a hangout spot in the middle and then the three other rooms would be partner and I, Paul and Leanna, Jacob and uh, Kelsey, I think was her name. Yeah. And ended up Paul and Leanna having to stay in the center part of the tent, which really complicated things. Both of those sets of people also brought a puppy with them so that complicated things there was so much gear trying to fit into that tiny little area and it stormed pretty bad the last day and because of that collapsed side of the tent our rain fly hardly worked for shit and a bunch of water got in through that side of the tent and kind of flooded us out but again Damn. given all of that it was still a really good time that's how fun these things are i made more friends more new friends at that event than i've made in a very long time cuz i kind of you know tapped out the midwest dag scene to a certain extent just going to the same events over and over year after year after year and just getting to know the same people pretty fucking well this is the first time i got to meet a bunch of people there were, there were, you know this is a, this is a small foam fighting event like there were less than 100 people there a car came from pennsylvania for it yeah like that's insane people care about this game so much yeah it 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 really is just an amazing game and being able to see all the different cultures of people that come together to it Mm-hmm. And they right. all get along so well, especially because it's a very honor-based game. It is. It is. And, and it, you know, again, Goat, who I talked about meeting forever ago, 14 years ago, I'm still fighting with him. We fought together on the field. Yeah, there's photos of it. He's yep, crazy old man, yep. but Goat's holding great down. old man. Goat's holding it down. And Goat told me at that event, you know, he did the math and found out that he'd been actual, like, foam fighting combat he averaged it out for almost or like over a year 
like of actual just time being on the field fighting a year. I did the math for me. I'm at like 60 and a half days. That's an average of fighting two hours per week since I started fighting. And I think that's a safe average because there's a lot of times where I wasn't fighting at all. There's a lot of times where I was fighting four or five days a week. You know, like I think, I think two hours is conservative, man, like 60 days of my life spent sparring or field fighting. That's just nuts. That's a good number to have though. Yeah. Like good Lord. And I think on that note, I am kind of done. I'm, that's the end of my bit right there, man. All right. And for this little insert section here, um, I'm going to cover a few off-topic topics that we like to cover in all of our podcasts. And speaking of all of our podcasts, what's going on with Oliver? What's Oliver doing? What's Oliver doing? Well, boy, howdy. I'll tell you what Oliver's doing. Oh, what's boy. Oliver doing now? Well, he's getting a new job with a contractor who does work on houses and stuff like that. Actually, the contractor who helped remodel your parents' house before yeah, they sold it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Remodel my parents' house before they sold it, helped remodel their new house to add on an apartment for my grandma to live How's in. How's that going, by the way? Is that done yet? Great, yeah. It's complete. Hell yeah. It looks beautiful. Um, great guy. He's going to be going and working for him. What's Oliver doing? Oliver has a new lady interest in his life. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah. So, uh, good for him there. What else is Oliver doing? I think that's about it. He's Have getting back to him drawing. cast off? Uh, I believe so, but just did. in case we haven't, Oliver, uh, what he's up to now is he's got his cast off, has a gnarly new cool scar, which is all, all types of fun. It's, he, he finally has an actual scar on his hand. And yeah, well, that's, that's, good to know. that's what Oliver's up to now. Well, all right. Yeah, And man. I think with that, we'll, uh, give you guys a little bit break, a little bit of a break from our lovely voices. Yeah. And I think that we're going to probably go smoke a cigarette, and then we'll get into part two of this fucking monster. That sounds perfectly fine to me. I've been Nate. I've also been Nate. And we'll be right back with you. Welcome back, everybody, to Nate Squared. I'm your host, Nate, here with my other host. Hey, I'm also Nate. How about that? Uh, That was a nice nice little break we had there. Got some good yucks in. Yeah. Remembered some stories. Got to realize how exhausted I am right now. We just talked yeah. for over an hour and a half straight. Yeah, almost, almost two hours there, man. Mm-hmm. And we're just getting started. We got to go through all of your stuff now. Yeah, we got to go through my whole fucking lineage, um, which isn't that long, mind you. Yes. Um, I also started at the same age Nate started, about 13. Uh, I had just just left public school, uh, left in seventh grade, and I was finding myself really wanting things to do. And, um, you know, one day my brother brings over his high school friend, Brandon, Angus the Beef. Right. You guys beat the fuck out of each other. Beat the hell out of each other. I got my ass kicked for like two and a half hours straight out in the rain. And when it was done, I just wanted to go out and do it more. Fell in love with it right there. Reminded me of when I was a little kid and we'd hit sticks together and shit like that. Yeah. I think every child has gone through that stage. Yeah. And... I think I was still close enough to that age to where it was not exactly nostalgic, but still very engaging. And now it does have that nostalgia feel right. a bit older. Um, so from like 13 to maybe about a year ago, uh, I kept fighting and I would fall in and out of it because I, I work in kitchens and it just makes life complicated and I wasn't the best kid. So I was always in trouble and couldn't go sometimes. True. But I still remember... 
uh, being invited to my first event. I was 13 or 14 at the time. I was still quite young. Um, I kind of got snuck into it. And our friend Angus invited me and my brother to go to a Wargle event. Yeah, back when Wargle was a thing. Yeah, and I wasn't exactly working uh, a schedule at the time. And, um, is that just the low key way to say you're unemployed? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was also like fucking fresh into my teens, like 13, 14. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. True. Um, and my brother, though, he was working. He was like 16 or 17 at the time. So he tried getting the day's schedule off and it didn't work out. I didn't have to worry about that. And my parents agreed to sign the waiver to let me go and to, to pay for it. So I went without my brother. Just you and Angus? Me and Angus. Okay. Me and Angus and his band. Because. That event was his pretty much buy-in uh, uh, contribution thing as a snaga for AOM. It was to bring out a fresh face. Yeah. Well, it was to bring out a fresh face and uh, him and his band performed. That was when the Church of D performed at Oh, the Orville. Electric Mayhem Division? Yeah. Yeah. I never heard about that. Oh, yeah. It was an amazing concert. Uh, Dio was the lead singer. <laughs> Chongo read from the book of the Church of D. Um, Angus played bass. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the guitar player was. It might have been Paul. I could be wrong about yeah. that, though. Um, and then they had some dude that wasn't a fighter. He was a non-com who was the um, the drum player. I just sort of tagged along. So, so like, what was this performance? Like, where, why did you do it? How, what happened? Uh, they played at the Bardic competition. Um, Angus was doing... It was something that had to do with his snug. I don't remember exactly, but it... Had to do with like talent or bringing something to it, right? Right, because if you're like this pledge, this snaga, and snaga is like Tolkienese dark speech for slave. Yeah, your admittance to this fighting group is kind of tied to doing the things that your uh, sponsor wants you to do. Yeah, some people have really shitty sponsors. My sponsor was chill as fuck. He just wanted me to learn the fucking history of the unit and find him cigarettes when he was drunk. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, they played. It was amazing. Everybody had a blast with it. They did, like, five or six songs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, that was uh, one of the first times I really started smoking weed, you know. What? Right? At Not a, you. At a DAG event. Never. Top ten YouTubers who've sworn at a DAG event. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, no, it was... Um, it was really a great time. Um, I was probably in garb for like four hours of that, which is a big <laughs> no-no. Yeah, but there's definitely a big push to like look the part, you know. And also, it's just fun and good garb is fucking comfortable also. Yeah, but also keep in mind, I was a... You were a baby boy. I was a baby boy who was being rebellious and was also squatting in one of the cabins without paying for it. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know I, that life. I hung out with the drummer a lot. Got a lot of people real drunk as a child, which yeah. was a weird experience. <laughs> Who was the drummer? Oh wait, do we want to um, bring that back up? I think I think what he was known as at the time was Moonlight because he had this little box that they kept all of his uh, oh, no butt idea. in, <laughs> yeah, a little moon on it. And he is actually now a she, and lives in Florida. How about that? Yeah, science bitches. Right? It was weird. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> No, it was it was a real fun time, and I fell in love with it. And um, a few years later, when I was a bit older, around sixteen or seventeen, I went to my first Dark Tides. That was incredible. Yeah, Dark Tides is a great event. And I've gone to a few events since. Um, have been able to get out much because of leg and all that. But you know, it was yeah. it was always an amazing time. It was always a lot of fun. 
love the fights. Uh, there was one time I went out there with my brother and Amanda, and uh, for like one of the large battles, I stayed back at the camp and made a fireplace uh, soup. All right. And then I brought it down to the field. I remember and, that. And between fighting, I, I served people soup. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was in full cook's garb, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that was the, you ain't from fucking South, the event. Yeah, dude, God, the memes get so strong. God, it was like, so good. <laughs> I, I I think it was probably Liam or Mumbles that started talking in that was, accent first. It was Liam and Seamus. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually everyone's talking like they're fucking from Jersey. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. We'd be out on the field. You ain't from fucking Southie. And then just call your mother. That one your dude. mother calls me all the time since you're a sweet boy, but you never call your mother. Call your mother. Call your mother. My God, your father... He fucking slept with your mother for three years and then realized, oh shit, I got a responsibility now. I saw your little fucking faggy, ugly ass. It just popped right up out of there. You ain't from fucking Southie. Basically, yeah. It was awesome. For 72 hours straight. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, uh, like, we're on the way home and we can't stop talking like that. Yeah, like, it was just. I, I think there was, like, a week and a half after that, I was working my way out of that fucking yeah. accent. It was just so ingrained. Like, you could. You were not. It almost got to the point where you were not allowed to talk at the camp. <laughs> Unless you were talking like that, yeah. And if, if we tried, to, if you tried to speak normally, you would quickly just be like, fall, find yourself falling back into it. Yeah, yeah. It was a fucking awesome event. I mean, you want to talk about some great people I've met throughout fighting? Yes. Two of them that we've already mentioned. You have Liam and Seamus. Seamus, one of the fairest of lads. He's a sweet boy. Such a sweet boy. One of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. Funny as fucking hell. Yeah. And works his ass off more than That's he true. needs to. That's true. Um, Liam, dude's a little nutty. No. I want to I want to get no. him in for his own solo podcast because good lord. Yeah. That dude is... You let him go and... The stories that man has. He's another one of those fighters that's real up there in the age. Yep. And he still goes out there and kicks it. Um, a lot of these dudes, by the way, I love them near and dear. have shared some awesome moments with them. And I can still look at them, even though we have very opposing views and we're very opposing personality-wise. I can still love them. Because exactly. it, it just... We share that connection of, hey, if we're out on the field, we're going to be beat the sh- same motherfuckers together. Yeah, and you know, you just get to forge that bond with people who you never would have hung out with before. I mean, I found in film fighting all, all, all walks of life. Oh, yeah. All different, you know, ethnic, racial, financial, cultural backgrounds. And everyone's drawn together through this thing. I mean, there was there was a Mexican exchange student at a dark tides walking around in full fucking uh, Scottish get up yep. playing bagpipes during fu- during combat and it was amazing. Yeah, like just the shit that you see out there is incredible. Um people like Mumbles. Fucking Mumbles. <laughs> fucking Mumbles. God damn, dude. Oh, Jesus. I, uh I, we, that uh, I don't even know how to So Mumbles is a guy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, I, I love Mumbles. I love fielding with Mumbles. He, he's a great yeah. fighter, great combatant. Um, big dick energy. Big, Biggest dick energy. Yeah. But at the same time, I know a lot of people don't like him. Yep. And I'm okay with that. Yep. And there's certain people in the phone fighting world where I'm like, listen, if you don't like Mumbles, I get it. <laughs> and I know certain people like, if you don't like Cole Fowler... I don't get it. Cole yeah. Fowler's just a big old teddy bear. If you don't like Aaron Hooker, like for a while, fucking Dylan and Liam didn't like Hooker. 
because we all got really drunk one night and I guess they perceived Aaron Hooker as getting a little bit like aggressive because we were like arguing about stuff. And I'm like, I've I've never seen Hooker be aggressive or try to intimidate anybody yeah, the whole time that I've known him. He's going to beat you and you're not going to know why. Well, no, no, no. I, he's just not. He's not like no, I a mean, macho on, prick. You yeah. Know? It's kinda even like, out on the field, though. Like yeah. he's not gonna be flaunting feathers. Oh, he's just God. gonna destroy you, and that's it. I mean, I mean, and there's he and he like he's such a, such an honorable fighter. I watched. Uh, oh, he yeah. sent me a clip of him fighting. Have I shown you the clip of him fighting at SCA here recently? Yeah. Where like he comes in and he strokes this guy across the fucking like uh, floating ribs, and he takes it as a knee shot. And Hooker like steps back and hear him talking a little bit, and you can catch like them basically talking about what happened. And Hooker's like, "All right, well, whenever you're ready, sir." Unless the guy get like all settled on his knees and everything, steps in, throws the exact same shot, creams him in the side, and the guy's yep. like, "All right, dead." <laughs> I was like, "God, Lovely, man. I remember, I remember the first time I met Coltrane. Yeah, uh, it was at a melee practice. It was a very small one, and he was out there without his shirt on, uh, <laughs> fighting Florentine. I was like, "That that dude looks about my size." Yeah. I don't get to fight many people my size, which means I don't get to to grapple many people. (laughs) I'm going to try grappling him. So I go full charge at him with my eight foot. And when I'm like 15 feet away, I drop my eight foot. He turns, grabs me, picks me up. And I immediately realize, oh, this boy's a lot bigger of a boy than I thought. (laughs) And then with my momentum, just fucking chucks me to the side and goes right back to fighting. Goodbye, child. And that was the last time I tried grappling fucking uh, uh, Fowler, man. That dude is a yeah. beast. Cole's one of my favorite like people just because he really is an all-American success story. I mean, came from a really low-income, like fractured home background. Uh, managed to get, get to Dartmouth on a football scholarship. He's done really well for himself. I believe that he works for the district attorney's office of the Cherokee Nation or one of the Indian tribes around here. Yeah. Has a beautiful, awesome girlfriend. Like, yeah. you know, he's doing so well for himself and is very honest and open about the trauma he went through and the things that he still struggles with because of that. He's also, um, I don't know if you remember, he was rookie of the year for yep. Team USA's uh, ACL team. True. Dude's and, insane. And he was also all Dartmouth. Or all, not all Dartmouth, but he was all Ivy because he played in the Ivy League. Like, yep. Yeah, he got, like, I guess the equivalent of, like, the All Pro or All American for that. Just big dude, six foot five, six foot six, like three hundred pounds. At least six foot seven, because I'm six five, and he still has some height on him. Yeah, me. yeah. You know, just a giant of a man. But you know, love him so much. Every time I see Cole, it's just like you're talking about seeing Hooker. I was like, oh, yay, yay, it's Cole. <laughs> He's just God bless it. I I have a painting of him on my wall. I got I got a serious serious bro boner for the dude, man. Great yep. guy, love him, love yep. him so much. If you were if you were a male prostitute, would you do him a pro boner? I'm doing pro bona for the pro boner, dude. <laughs> for the bro bona? Yeah, man. Like that dude God, beautiful man. Beautiful man. It cracked me up when like Andrea saw her saw him for the first time and you know, he heard, she'd heard all the stories about he's just a big dude, you know? And he's so much more than that. I hate how like fucking gigantic people just get typecast. It's like, oh yeah, this guy's fucking massive. Yeah, I, I but, yeah, uh, I get that. You know, I'm sorry, but he is. <laughs> and like fucking Andrea sees him for the first time, and like after the event, she goes, you know, you told me he was big, so I knew he was gonna be big, but he's like big, like every direction. Yeah, dude's fucking built. Yeah, it's a fucking weapon. Absolute unit. I'm just amazed by the size. Phenomenal of this lad. weapon. Phenomenal size. Uh, but yeah, like just 
lovely people throughout the fighting community. It's true. Um, I've been to some awesome events with them. I've experienced some amazing times. I've cried with Russell. Yeah. He walked with me like a quarter mile while I just fucking sobbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just lovely, lovely people who sometimes on the exterior seem real jaded. Real abrasive, real, real standoffish. Real, yeah. The more you get to know them, though, they just they brighten up. Well, I think that there is this kind of unconscious fear within a lot of these super tight knit tight knit uh units of friends yeah where you find something like this that is so amazing and so constructive and so positive that you unintentionally become resistant to change yeah you don't want to lose it yeah yeah resistant to you know anything that could change the dynamic of what you have and you know uh andrea brought this up across all the events she's been to at the freelancers have been at a buddy Blake Lynch brought Blake Lynch brought this up where, you know, they just don't feel super accepted. They don't feel like we're open. They, they feel like, you know, we're standoffish and kind of, you know, prickish. And when Blake brought it up to me, I had like, you know, we were on the way back from his first event and I just had no idea what he was talking about. Like, no, these are, these are the nicest, sweetest guys. Like they're fucking hilarious. Like they, they'll take fucking care of you, man. Like they're great people. And then, and then, like, by the end of the event, by the end of the drive, he kind of had me seeing what he was saying. And I just had never thought about it before because I've always been in with those people, you know. Even though I've had tons of conflicts with them over the years, as have everybody else with everybody else inside of that unit. You know, I would have... I would have been on the streets if it weren't for those people. Yeah. That, that, that's fucking true. Like, when I was homeless, when my fucking... When I got kicked out and lost my job within like three days that I was at a psych unit, uh, I was fully mentally prepared to board a bus, go downtown. Cause I left that psych unit, walked to my mom's house, got like a trash bag full of shit together and had two bus tokens to take one to take me downtown. One to transfer over to go to uh, John three sixteen, yep. like a homeless shelter. And uh, yeah, I was sitting there on a, on a bench waiting for a bus when Mumbles finally convinced me to go talk to Brandon and Tamara about staying with them for a while. And one of the smartest things I ever did was finally do that and not let my pride dictate what I felt like I should do, which is punish myself for messing my life up so badly. They didn't owe me anything. They didn't ask anything of me aside from trying to help keep the house up a little bit. And I kind of, I wasn't the best person to them during that time. And they still just loved me all the way through it. I mean, I cried in fucking Brandon and Tamara's arms over it. Like, you know, I I owe these people so much and they've done so many good things for me. And the only way that I ever met these people and the only thing that our friendship was originally founded on was swinging fake whores at each other. Yeah. And there's so many things that you gain just from, you know, it can be replace foam fighting with any activity, any hobby and the friendships you forge through it will, will save you. Oh yeah. And man, like even, even with us and this podcast, we came together because we yeah. liked hitting each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then, that's how we know each other. <laughs> and then it turned into you coming over and helping out my family when they were getting to yep. do a big move in their yep. life. Back when I was working <laughs> at the rubber factory and not making much money and always looking for fucking side work. 
Your family hooked me up really well. They paid now, me real well. Now you're part of it, man. You're part of the family. <laughs> yeah, we been, all love I, you, man. I've been to I've been to family Christmas. I broke you during family Christmas. You broke me during family making, Christmas. Making making good impressions wherever I go. Flipping go karts on my, your leg. My dad's sneaky whiskey in the back room. <laughs> like yeah, it it was. <laughs> it's been one of the biggest joys of my life, fighting and the outcomes of it, and being able to meet so many amazing people, have so many amazing people be a part of my life. Hanging out with Russell sometimes on the weekends, right. each a break, just yeah. dicking around and being having good times, <laughs> having you over a lot. It's always a lot of fun. And you know, just the, thank you, I appreciate yeah. that. And just uh, just uh, the lessons that you learn through foam fighting. You know, f- oh yeah, foam fighting is something that I started doing because uh, I started taking seriously and wanted to become good at, and I was not good at it at all starting out. And through years of practice, managed to get some level of competency in it, and it taught me that. It taught me the the wheel of uh, not knowing when you're bad at something, then realizing you're bad at it, then trying really hard to fix it, and then just being unconsciously just good at it. It taught me that whole process, and that helps me take on challenges so much more easily nowadays. It taught me how to really connect with people, how to kind of manage a group of people. Yeah. Everything from just logistics to getting to events and eating and feeding a team while you're at the event. You know, I by no means necessary was the only person doing it or the sole provider. At most, I was at most I was the help. Uh, but just all these good lessons to actual just like trying to communicate in high stress situations like on yeah. the field. You really learn how to clearly and quickly communicate a lot of data. And I don't, I mean, there's just been so many points in my life where I would have been down and fucking all the way out if it weren't for foam fighting. Oh my God. Yeah. I, so I've always been a very proud person. I've always had a lot of pride. Yes. Um, and it's been a very ego based thing as well. And, uh, foam fighting and being out there on the field, especially from a young age, it, help me learn how to be humble exactly very much so exactly if you want to fucking be good yeah you, you have to be a humble ass motherfucker yeah, you have to go fight people who are going to smoke you like it, you have to be okay with that it, it it got so ingrained in me even though still in my early formative years i wasn't the best at it because i was right. still really learning how to be a humble person it pushed me to the point where i even have a tattoo on me that is another way of saying stay humble. Right. Cause I never wanted to lose that aspect of it. And with the high intensity shit, like when I start working in kitchens, like online's like mm-hmm. fast paced, these are the tickets coming through. Wasn't stressed at all. Cause yeah. it's just, I was like, all right, we're on the field again. What do we got to take out? Okay. We got to take out this one first. What's next? Yeah. It, take makes that you, one out next. it makes you like take that mental breath and step back and order your thoughts. Yeah. Which if you've ever worked in the kitchen before, especially a high ticket, high paced kitchen, You'll know that you need that fucking mental mise en place because it, without it, you, you fucking flounder. And if you're out on a field and you don't have that mental fighting mise en place, right. you'll fucking flounder. You'll just get steamrolled. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, 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 I can't even just begin to touch the vastness of the effect it's had on my life. Yeah, it's, I don't know what else to say about it, man. When it comes to sports. You have football players that stay really connected, baseball players and stuff like that. But I truly believe all battle game sports and SCA sports, HEMA sports and ACL sports, even down to AmpGuard, 
down to amp guard. Well, you know what I mean. Classic melee kid. <laughs> um, they are the only ones where you will build a certain type of bond because it's a bond through a style of combat. Combat. Well, yeah, and not just that. I mean, the fact is that a lot of people, if they do play competitive sports, it's usually like a high school, college thing. Yeah. And then it really peters out. I mean, yeah, there are minor league games, especially for like baseball, softball, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really hard to keep doing the thing you love once you're done with like your glory days. And then the whole basis you have for being into the game it got, starts being 5, 10, 15, 20 years behind you. Foam fighting is something that you can always find people in town willing to fight. You, there's always an event right around the corner. And if you get to the point where your body's broken, we will encourage you to keep coming back because we're not going to make you fight. But, man, we love to have you there. Yeah, yeah we, like, you're not allowed to stop being friends with us. And, I mean, you know, uh, even people, we you know, like, uh, just touching on that kind of subject, seeing the memories be kept alive of melee fighters who have, like, died. Yeah. so great. God, uh, yeah. Jerry Weatherford and Brent England were both before your time. Uh, Brent England was right before I really started getting into Melee. Passed away. People still get choked up about it. Jerry Weatherford, amazing fellow. Someday we'll we'll go over all the Jerry Weatherford stories. But uh, yeah, he he literally was the most interesting man in the world. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Again, just the breadth of fucking crazy people you meet doing this <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like fucking Doc. Oh my god! Oh doc. my god, Doc! I didn't know that kind of person existed. What it was, strange and wonderful beast. He is. I yeah. fucking love him. Half the time, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> but dear Lord, I will listen because that man is just—he's mm, yeah. a joy. He really is. And then on the other end of the spectrum, though, you got fucking Richard. Oh God, we can't talk. Let's not talk about yeah, Richard. We're not going to talk about Richard. Those of you who know, you know. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's uh, plenty of people. Dave. <laughs> like, uh, the people right. don't do that. He's never gonna hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever gonna hear this, especially David. Yeah, never. God, like you know, I hate making fun of the guy, but he is like a very not good person. Yeah, Jesus. But all of his stories, though. Yeah, God, I don't want to talk about the bad parts of him fighting, no. and there are some. I'll die. I think that we should touch on that, actually. I mean, there is a lot of drama in the foam fighting community. Yeah, a lot of infighting, too. Yeah, I think that people's lives just aren't interesting enough nowadays. Now they got to go find ways to make you know reality TV happen in the real world. Oh, yeah. It's very frustrating. Jesus. That's why I stepped down from any positions of leadership in foam fighting and, and not interested in ever picking them back up. Even for our own unit, like I got into one conflict with another one of the founding brothers over something, like a pretty serious matter. And realized that I just didn't want to have to have these kind of conversations with people that I love. Yeah. I don't want to have to bicker about things. And so I stepped down from being a brother of our unit to a lower, the lower rank auxiliary where the, the task of running the unit is not nearly as heavily laid upon you. And I feel like it's kind of a selfish move. But it's also a move that I had to make because it was killing my joy of fighting. Yeah. And, you know, in that stance of it's doing what's best for you. So I, I wouldn't consider it selfish. But man. on that on that big note, I have to put the biggest shout out there to every single person that's ever been a non-com supporter of foam fighting or just somebody who has helped get people to events, get people, you know, garbed up, geared up 
helped feed people, organized, you know, units, organized campsites. My fucking God, you are the best yeah. people. I am allowed to be selfish and step back and just have fun because of the hours of work I know you put in. I know you've put in because I've done it. And it's and fucking I don't, intense. I don't fucking want to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, 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 I can't even express the love I have in my heart of these people that make my love. Yeah. Especially happen. those those motherfuckers that put together shit from the ORE. Yeah, ORE. Holy man. shit. Yeah, the the Dark Tides crew, my God, they put in so much work. I, I I went to an ORE event and decided this is how events are supposed to be run. The event site is great. The staff is great. Everything is awesome. There is not that much drama. I mean, there's always going to be drama at events, but compared to the Amp Guard event that I went to before my first... O- the Amp Guard and the uh, event I went to in Texas and the Rain Gates I went to, that was a Dominion event. You know, I went to the first ORE event and there's showers and there's electricity. Yeah. And there's cabins. And it, I, I don't know. It was, it's, I'm like, it's, it's I'm never nuts. going back. And see, now I've kind of stepped back. Now I can deal with like the more uh, low tech camping, primitive camping. Yeah. But in the beginning, when I had no idea how to fucking camp, dude, you couldn't get me to an event if they didn't have cabins. It's ORE or nothing, man. Yeah, basically. And that's still kind of the bar. Like, like you have to be this good to be an event. And, you know, like Battle for the Ozarks was great. Uh, I think the site needs a little bit of work. But, you know, that now, like a while back, I really didn't like going camping at Battle of the Ozarks. I had a really hard time sleeping outside without fans, without AC. Yeah. Turns out you can fix all those issues if you just throw a little bit of money at it. <laughs> so, yeah, I really, uh, if it wasn't for ORE, I probably wouldn't be into the game as much as I am now. And, uh, man, I like I know a lot of the organizers, Adayan, who has stepped down from that now. But, like, Odeon, Raya, uh, Tag, uh, Odd's brother, Grack. Grack's yeah. really good people. Grack's a good dude. Um, everyone else, God, there's so, I wish I could remember people's names. I believe Kestriel does a lot of work for him. I think yeah. Drode did a lot of work for Drode him. Drode did a hell of a lot of work I'm for not, him. I'm not, I think Drode is still one of the organizers for them. But we're talking about a fucking mad dwarven scientist. Oh, yeah. Drode's Facebook, amazing. Oh, fuck yeah. Dude's always doing something. It's yeah. always so cool. But speaking of Odd, okay. I want to do just... Odd may not know me that well, but I'm going to give him the biggest fucking shout out. All right. Because, my God, when it comes to inviting somebody into something that strange at a young age. Yeah. Odd did beyond phenomenal. He did a fantastic job. I have never felt more love. Yeah, there's a story here. Like, what happened? So, I go to my first fighting event, and I'm I'm the youngest person there. Nobody knows that. Yeah. Right, because not not technically supposed to be there. I'm this little kid who's getting high and drunk the whole time, and I start kind of getting worried because, like, I don't feel like I'm in the right place. I'm with all these older people. I barely know any of these dudes, especially right. the dudes I'm there fighting with. I'm not hanging out around Brandon a lot. And I remember there was one night I'm sitting there, and Odd comes over, and he's never met me before. He's like, hey, man, just starts chatting me up and telling him about how the event's going, and he's, like, pumping me up for it. Find him out on the field next day. He goes, how's it going, man? It just keeps pumping me up for the whole event. And just, he showed me such a genuine kindness 
and just happiness and joy for it, it became infectious. Right. I was like, I'm going to go put my garb on. I'm going to go out there with a fucking two-handed red because I didn't have any of my normal weapons set with me. Right. I'm, like, I'm going to go fucking wreck with it. Hell I yes. didn't wreck, but I had a hell of a lot of fun because yeah. I was like, it's a fun thing, dude. Just <laughs> have fun with it. And I was like, all right, man. Yeah. And Big, I did. Big props to Odd as well because you and I have both struggled with mental health issues. Odd yeah. does too. And to, I think, a degree higher than I ever have, at least. And he recently got out of school. Mm-hmm. Got a fucking great job. Yeah, I did. Has a couple amazing kids. And it's, from what I can see on his Facebook feed, is still struggling with his mental health issue, but is absolutely slaying it. Oh, yeah. So, Odd, I'm so proud of you, baby. That dude is an emotional fucking weapon. Yeah, God, he is. Hardcore 60 miles an hour, one way or another. Like, man. You don't fuck with Odd. <laughs> man yeah. he's too good but i kind of wish he had poor mental health just so he'd occasionally drop into tulsa again just be <laughs> like hey i needed a break from fucking the like, reality in kansas for a while what up tulsa nerds that was a fun night there's a bunch of stories there i can't tell mm, like, yeah fuck, there sure is yeah <laughs> oh boy how you doing odd <laughs> but yeah so that's i mean that's my it's sort of my uh, thing with fighting. I've been out of it for too long, though. Well, medical issues, work issues. Yeah. But, you know, I, I posted this on Facebook a few days ago, and it shocks me so much. You know, I talked for an hour and 40 minutes about memories for 14 years of memories. and That's a 10-minute to your conversion. What's that? It's 10 minutes to your conversion. Of what? Maybe more. Of uh, years to memories to the time we recorded. No, you're right. How about that? Yeah. 10 minutes per year. But, uh, you know, my earliest memories are so great. The memories I made two weeks ago are just as great. Yeah. It's it's still happening, and there is no end in sight. Like, this good thing just keeps on being good. And if you are looking for something and haven't found it yet if you're looking for a thing to be about why not try foam fighting it's genuinely some of the best times and i think uh are we done yeah i think that closes I, I up on us wrapping up the first part of our two-parter series yeah, so let's talk about the second part real yeah, quick yeah, yeah, yeah. i was trying to get some interviews nailed down there was a bunch of scheduling conflicts yeah um i think i'm gonna try to ropes people again in again um because of you know there's those four types of people i want to get in the vet the pro the SCA dude and the ACL dude. Yep. And I, I want to cover a big, big breadth of that. So be looking forward to another, please be looking forward to another very long multi-interview podcast. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Um, upcoming events in our life. I'm going to Colorado on the 14th. Hell yeah, you are. I will be there when this podcast comes out. So expect Nate to be the one posting that. It should be cool. Yeah, watch. I'll be all over that shit, man. Hell yeah. Um got to be talking to my doctor about figuring something out more right. about the leg because uh, they stuck a four inch needle next to my dick that wasn't too fun um working on getting a new job so yeah. that way i can start making some more money but yeah how about you nate i you know aside from this move coming coming up to moving in with john i've kind of decided that i'm probably not going to start school again this fall it's coming up real fast my 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 mental workload and stress level is already super high 
I really want to reach a little bit more stable point, hopefully by spring to go back. And what's pissing me off is I've literally said that every year since high school. Yeah. I keep making plans. They keep going away. This is the first, the furthest I've forgotten though. You know, actually applying, there getting, you go. getting accepted, uh, uh, you know, going on a campus tour. And so I'm closer this year than ever before. And it's also the first time that I've told myself we have to wait. And it sounded not like bullshit in my own head. So life events coming up in the near future, next, like, you know, five, six months, probably starting school again, capping the next couple months to a couple weeks. I'm not sure exactly when my lease is up at my apartment. Be moving in over at John's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just trying to slay it at the pizza place, try to slay it at Walmart. And, Hell yeah. Uh, keep earning that money, get my car fixed up, keep loving the people I love and being loved by them. Well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Happy year. All right. Well, you can find us at uh, natesquaredcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can send us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on CastBox. Just search Nate Squared. Remember to like us, follow us, absolutely fucking proclamate, emancipate that like button. Deus vault that like button, my dudes. Yeah, fucking God wills it. Uh, and remember, go check out our Patreon, our GoFundMe, our Kickstarter, our, Kickstarter, our um, uh, eBay uh, fundraiser. Yeah, you can send us Bitcoin at our Bitcoin wallet. You can send us money directly to our fucking PayPal account. Our, our, your PayPal email is... Fuck you, we don't shill that hard at gmail.com. Uh, also, buy stocks. Uh, you yeah. know, they're real low right now, so just make sure you sell them all Gotta pump high. those stocks up. Yeah, just some rookie numbers. Well, all right, folks. It was great talking to you again, and I guess we'll see you here in a couple weeks. Yeah, I've been Nate. I've also been Nate. Have a good one. <laughs>